I just don't remember it being this bad. <laughs> Des, how many times were you like, what the fuck were these women talking about when they recommended this book? <laughs> so that's one of the things I was going to say is like, I was talking to Gabriel, my husband, and I was saying like, I hate this book, but like Katie and Liz really like were raving about it because they read it when they were younger. And like, he's like, well, do they feel the same way? And I was like, I don't know. I'm afraid to say it. <laughs> Because if they still really love this book, I don't necessarily want, like, I'll, I'll bite my tongue a little bit. I'm still going to be pretty rude about it, but, like, I'll bite my tongue a little bit. But then yes, in, the, in the group chat, you were like, oof, this book. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, they feel the same <laughs> way. Oh, thank goodness. Welcome to your safe space. The podcast, your partner, friends, parents, whoever thinks is dirty. Don't have time to read books? Want to understand the TikToks? We got you, fam. We're the Spice Traders, and we deal in spicy books. My name's Katie, and I need it to make sense. Hi, I'm Des, and I would love to talk about feelings today. I'm Liz, and I'm hypercritical. As always, we start every episode with three things. The first is a generic trigger warning. You can find specific triggers for this book in our show notes, so please check those out. Also, we do use foul language and talk a lot about sex. If you have sensitivity to that, this isn't the podcast for you. Secondly, we talk about books. The whole book, nothing about the book, so help me goddess. If you plan to read this book and you don't want something spoiled, don't listen to this episode right now. Lastly, we acknowledge that a good book can hit you at the wrong time. The views expressed in our discussion are our opinions, and we absolutely do not want to diminish the work and the talent of the authors in our community. That said, we have some notes. So Liz, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about Dark Prince by Christine Fihan. This was published in 1999, and it is the first in an ongoing 32-book series that also has four novellas. So it's a hefty boy. So far, this series is 36 books in total. This book in particular is 447 pages in a physical copy, so it is one of our longies. It is a long boy, and holy shit, does it feel like it. Um, <laughs> and this cover is... Like, just picture Bodice Ripper, what's his face on the cover with the long flowing hair and his chest, except we can't see his chest on the cover. It is, it screams 90s and not in a good way. Like, yeah, my God, it is. Can we, can we, I, I just want to d- double tap into what you're saying here. So first off, we have a man's face. <laughs> very he's close not to th- attractive no he's not but he maybe he like he might have been 90s standard attractive i guess so because sure. like if you think back to like the kevin sorbo of like uh the hercules Ooh. show like okay all right infants um <laughs> let me take you back to a time of the 90s uh but like that kind of feature and hair was very attractive in the 90s that's not my problem fine whatever what the fuck is next like there's like a church with a face and then there's like a another statue with it's very i can't tell what it is that i'm looking at so i don't understand why it's on the cover oh yeah it's like churchy which i mean it is kind of churchy but there's like angel statues uh, yeah a lot of random sculptures here. i would have preferred more of the standard chest bodice ripping and less of the statues agreed yeah i will say that this book for the 90s was i mean it won 14 awards and honors number one new york uh times best-selling author that just Winner means a for lot of people romantica awards i don't okay that that's why i say and <laughs> listeners i apologize we are 
So Liz and I are heartbroken over this book. Truly. Desiree is irate, and we all have good reasons to be so. Um, I We have talked about at length kind of what the difference might be between, like, the book that was published last year in 2022 and, like, this book. Because, oh, my God, there are so many things about this book that just miss the mark. And Katie mentioned us being heartbroken. Um, so... Christine V. Hahn, this author, I know I devoured a bunch of her books in high school. I'm pretty sure they were the first smutty books I read. And I think I started reading them because they were recommended to me by none other than Katie. Yep. And I have such a strong memory of like, this is what smut is. Like, this is spice. Like, this is so good. And holy shit, this book sucked. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh. I mean, so like Christine V. Hahn was a big big part of why I have such a huge huge vampire kink yes and like I stand by that's why I want to like go back and do a a newer book because they can't all be like this like this book is almost 30 years old at this point and one of the things we frequently say in like the standard recording a good book can hit you at the wrong time this is not that this is a writer's first book and I'm confident that in the 20 years that she's been publishing that she has to have improved and grown as an author and so I think that that's important that like this is clearly not her best work, but like so few authors put forth their best work in their first book. So I hope that Christine, if you're listening, you don't take offense because it is your first book. And like, it's not that we don't love the content. It's that uh, we don't love this particular content. (laughs) And something that we mentioned in our like pregame conversation is that this is, it was published in the nineties. Definitely not this kind of new adult fiction that we have been consuming so for the 90s i do think the smut and this book was very like of its time and place if christine feehan's dark prince was the book that launched a thousand authors we owe her like big deal because i mean truly she had a big impact on me not with this particular book but still yeah so I, i think that that is important to acknowledge her name is prolific in the smutty book world for one reason or another and so like credit where credit's due but also oh my god i hated this book i know (laughs) i know it's just so bad so let's get into it katie why don't you kick us off okay yeah let's get through this so we open the book and it is a typical dark stormy night and we meet mikhail who is wallowing in a sea of numbness or what he interprets as numbness We learn that he is an ancient Carpathian, which in this series is kind of like a vampire, but they are not considered undead. And Mikhail has lost the ability to feel emotion or see color because he's uh, so old and he's edging closer and closer to darkness. The reason that he's close to this darkness is because there are no more Carpathian females to be the light to the male's darkness and to balance them out. And he cries in agony. And in this moment, he realizes that this is emotion and it's new. And just at that moment, somebody speaks into his mind telepathically. I have nothing interesting to say here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I did have a few things to say here because we do kind of get some background on Mikhail a little bit. Like we're introduced to him and being like surrounded by books Um, And that was immediately sexy to me. I had an Mm -hmm. English professor in college who my biggest takeaway from her was this line that she said repeatedly that if you go home with a guy and he doesn't have books, do not fuck him. And 
I got big. Great advice. Yeah, I know. And I have followed that advice. Um, but I like the telepathic communication. Like I, I always think that that's a fun trope in books. I, it loses its shine quickly in this book. Oh my God. So quickly. Yes. In a big way, this reminded me of like Beauty and the Beast. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So this voice in his head alarms and intrigues him because he's alone physically and uninterested in others for so long that, you know, one, this person has kind of gotten through his mental barriers and two, he's immediately like interested and he's not interested in other people. So he flies literally to this person and finds a woman in an inn that's kind of in the village that's close to his mansion. They speak telepathically and she's unaware that he, that he's physically close to her. Watching, watching her, her. Like a fucking creep. <laughs> and he's drawn to her um, both from this interest perspective, but primarily because he's physically aroused. And he Whatever. goes home and tries to rest. But his boner to is too big. He's so <laughs> turned on and he just can't he just can't get this woman out of his mind so he teases her mentally and like sends her this vision of like touching her and she's very not interested in this tells him to stop and and he doesn't he doesn't and that's problematic and there's this kind of moment where he realizes that he's done harm and tries to soothe her to sleep but this felt very cringy to me well and the soothing her to sleep results in him just like forcing her into sleep and the whole thing was cringy because she that's my problem with this whole book is that she really has no choice in anything so like we talk about dubious consent it's not even dubious she says no repeatedly and emphatically and he's like well i'm gonna touch you anyway right and then she's like i like it and it's like oh (sighs) and then she cries because she doesn't actually like it she cries or she dies (laughs) (laughs) oh my god gonna use that so props to gabe actually i was talking to him again about this book and he mentioned he was like it sounds like stockholm syndrome but it's not long enough for it to be stockholm syndrome this book isn't long enough at all for any of this to make any goddamn sense it takes place over like the course of a week yeah (sighs) yeah yeah (laughs) so the next morning this woman is awoken by a tourist that she met the day before. We learned this person's name is, sorry, we learned the woman's name is Raven. And the tourist that's waking her up is named Jacob. And Jacob's asking if she's okay and if they're still on for dinner. So what has happened is that she slept through the day into the next evening. She's super not into having dinner with this person. And as she's kind of rejecting Jacob, she mentally connects with Mikhail again. And she calls him out for being a dick, which he finds amusing. He asks to meet her that evening to play chess. What a fucking tool. And, yeah. If I say you're a jerk and you're like, ha ha, that makes you a tool. That's what a tool is, everybody. In case you're curious, in case you don't know, that makes you a fucking tool and an asshole. The wrath. I, I feel like the male like perspective of being like, ha silly woman, do you want to play chess? It's just <laughs> like, go, go fuck yourself, dude. Truly. There is a line that I highlighted. Highlighted. That is, male amusement could be really annoying, and oh, I felt that. Don't be (laughs) amused with my irritation. This whole book just uses that language of, like, male amusement, amusement, masculinity, like, overly male, and it's just like, that's, 
that's one of those things that I feel like must have been a time and place thing in the 90s because I'm super not into that. No. I also want to point out that we do get some information on Raven, how she looks and some of her her own backstory. So naturally, which is also probably product of the 90s, she is curvy with a tiny waist. And short. She's like the shortest person on the planet. She is very tiny, which will come up later in sex scenes that it do- the proportions don't track, but nope. fine. Um, she also has some history of hunting serial killers with her mind. Yep. And that's about all we learn. <laughs> so she's here in the Carpathian Mountains to get a break from gross humans. Serial killing. She's here to get a break from from serial killing. She's not a killer. No, serial killer. She's getting a break from serial killers. You said killing. She's taking a break from serial killing. (laughs) That would be a story I would read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What I love that she's trying to get a break from these really dark, horrible humans, Mm -hmm. and then chooses to spend her time, quote unquote, chooses with (laughs) terrible people. Well, and and we'll get to this too, but it turns out that literally every single person she's with are not good people. Right. But I I think a key point here is that she doesn't like being touched because she can't keep up her mental walls. So she gets like flooded with like emotion and thoughts when she's touched by other humans. Um, And she doesn't like even being in the same room as other people because a lot of people project their own feelings. And my question after reading this book is like, how the fuck did you not know? Thank you. Like, okay, so it's not giving anything away because we just said all of the people surrounding her, including the people in this inn, are terrible fucking humans. And it's like, if you're so good at your job and you can follow serial killers by just, like, essentially sniffing their mind in the ether, like, how did you not know? How did you not pick up a single fucking thing? Because she's with them in groups and alone. And it's like, you're with them so often. How did you not pick up on this? And they all touch you repeatedly. Right. She doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings either. Like, she doesn't want to go to dinner with this guy. And then he's like, wah. And she's like, all right, fine. Well, she's not even like, fine. Okay, so this is the other thing. This is the first indication that Raven is an unreliable narrator who doesn't have linear thought processes. <laughs> but she refuses this guy, Jacob, because Jacob's just like, wah, I thought we had plans. Blah, blah. And then she's like, well, I'm hungry. I guess I'll go down to dinner. And I'm like, how did you think that you would go down to dinner and, and like not bed and run breakfast. into Yeah, like not run into the duder who was just like, put out that you said no to dinner who you and she's like surprised to have dinner yeah he's like oh you joined us anyway she's like fuck i'm like what <laughs> lady anyway so she ends up sitting with jacob and a table full of other people and she's immediately uncomfortable because of all the other people we get some information about these people but basically they're all in a tour group together one of them is jacob's sister and then the other two are like an elderly couple and we we know that they are mr and mrs summers so she's at the, the dinner table. She's uncomfortable. And we cut to Mikhail, who is feeding off a young man in town, like sucking his blood. And pain slices through his mind because Raven is uncomfortable and then is touched by Jacob, who clearly wants her. And so this causes Mikhail to, like, rush to her aid. I will say that I had a very... Don't. <laughs> strong reaction to that i was like this is where i got the who hurt you kink this is it yeah unfortunately for sure this is the moment yes (laughs) i will say this was still early enough in the book that i was like entertaining what was happening so i will say in this moment i did kind of enjoy that but 
man yeah. thinking back to it now i'm like eh. i know no for real <laughs> yeah. that's why i say so, unfortunately <laughs> mikhail kind of sends the young man off on his way and and we learned that when he does feed from villagers that he like takes the memory away from them and then he leaves them with a sense of like warm friendship and that puts him in a place of respect and like being known to most people in the town so he leaves the young man he goes to the inn and physically sorry i say physically no i don't say physically he flies to the inn and he psychically strangles jacob (laughs) so jacob just starts like choking at the dinner table and everybody's freaking out and raven immediately intuits that this is Mikhail's doing somehow and begs him to stop which like okay I know this is I I know this is where the you know who who hurt you kink came from but this is not it this is not okay no no it no it was like the thought of like I must save her but then just zero to strangling you in a room full of people I was like this is an overreaction zero to murder real fucking quick (laughs) he always goes zero to murder (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the other thing too is like they still have not met face to face so like right. this is a faceless murderer and she just worked with a bunch of like people to try and get rid of serial killers so if someone is trying to murder her like in front of her face i feel like that would be i don't know triggering yeah <laughs> but it's not she it's not <laughs> well it's not triggering enough for her to like exit the situation so mikhail stops strangling Jacob psychically we're so proud and physically enters the dining room of the inn and it's clear that the owners of the inn know him and it's this like classic oh this tall dark handsome rich guy enters and everybody knows that he's powerful and he like whisks Raven away to his mansion to play chess and she just lets that happen so does everyone else (sighs) so does everyone else they also the people of the inn know him but the travelers don't know him. And so that just happens. And they're like, okay, well, this one guy is like recovering from choke, almost choking to death. And then this woman is just, who just got here is now leaving. Right. She didn't even eat. Right. I mean. And is clearly uh, in some, some kind of pain. And Mikhail's like, oh, yes, thank you. We know each other. Definitely. And it's kind of going back to that, that thing in Air Awakens. Like if somebody asks you where you were, send them to me. Like, this is such an awkward thing. I would be like, blink twice if you're under duress, girl. Like, are you okay? (laughs) Yes. The next part is she doesn't ask the questions that need to be asked. Like, they just kind of leisurely walk for miles. And she acknowledges that and, like, doesn't question that, like, that's odd. At night. At night through a forest. There are wolves. Which he can talk to and says he can talk to. And she's just like, that's neat. (laughs) Yeah. And I wonder how much of this is willful suspension of disbelief because she's telekinetic, not telekinetic. She's like telepathic. And maybe she's just thinking like, oh, he's got to be a stronger, you know, whatever than I am. But like, girl, I guess. So they they walk to (laughs) his house. And when they get to his house, uh, she he, he makes this big show of like, she having to enter his home of her own free will and like she has to actually say that out loud and he makes her do that and she briefly thinks how odd that's like a vampire thing (laughs) and then just like walks in and doesn't think about it again for like 200 pages but simultaneously even though she says i enter your home of your own of my own free will 
She also keeps asking to go home, knowing like full well how crazy that is. Like she should she should just be able to leave and she's not leaving. The thing in this book that I also really hated, which I haven't read a book that is third third person omniscient in a long time. So I think that went away again with the times but the third person omniscient like we jump around from like mikhail's point of view to raven's point of view to like the fuck buddy in the corner's point of view and it is <laughs> chaos it, <laughs> so much throughout the book like so last night i actually did a lot of work on my book um which is exciting but i was writing it and i was writing it from third person and i have decided that i don't know if i'm going to do that anymore because i was so off put by, and then you can do third person, but like I, you need to break it up into like different perspectives, like per. But this was not broken out in any way, and so it was so confusing because I was like, "Who's talking? Who's having this feeling?" And sometimes you learn about their feelings, and sometimes you learn about their feelings that they had six chapters ago that you could have learned about then because there's no reason not to. But it wasn't brought up then, so now you're expected to know that those feelings happened because she had them, and she could have been any one of seventeen people, and. Yep. Well, Awful. and the the issue I don't think is it being third person. It's a third person omniscient because like most books are written third person limited. Like Harry Potter is third person, but you only get Harry's perspective. You don't get any perspective shift. So like in your book, third person is fine. It's just not omniscient. Like I don't like that I can read everyone's minds all at once. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I mean. I'm not sure the author intended to do this, but that's kind of putting you in Raven's shoes, right? Where she can read everybody's minds all at once. <laughs> okay, that's true. But she... Yeah, that's true. I. Mm. <laughs> so despite the fact that Raven wants to go home and can go home at any way, shape, or... or sorry, at any time, uh, she stays and they play chess. And they kind of flirt, I guess. Um, yeah. And then things devolve kind of quickly from here. They end up kissing and he immediately feeds from her. But they're interrupted by somebody at the door. Mikhail goes to see who it is, and it turns out to be other of his kind, Carpathians. And Raven is immediately assaulted by the mental images of one of these people um, seeing the murder of a woman. And she immediately intuits that it is a serial killer of vampires. She physically tries to distance herself, but runs into one of the other guests who essentially leers at her and is just like, hmm, tasty snack. <laughs> But Mikhail prevents that and bodily shields her from the others. And it's a shock gasp moment because everybody's just like, who is this human that you're protecting? Blah, blah. So the other thing that drives me crazy in this book is he calls her little one throughout the entire mm -hmm. book. And it feels gross. Infantilization. Yes. A hundred percent. Like the fact that she's so small and she's got her tiny little waist and she's a little one. And oh, how cute. It's like stop stop i've really come to know this about myself where i hate that infantilization of women like i think there was a point in my life where i was like oh yeah damsel in distress like that's cute i don't think it's cute anymore like you can have interesting plot points that set up like that kind of who hurt you attitude without making the female identifying character just useless and like Correct. made out yes. of glass yes and even like the little it's it's just making them children so mm -hmm. in um 
we've read so many books that have serpent in the title what was the book serpent, serpent and, the and the wings of night where he calls her not the love interest mind you so it's also different but like little serpent like give mm-hmm. me some power like even if i'm small like call me a serpent like that's badass not just like oh little baby let me yeah. but also you. that was a different relationship that was, was her father daughter relationship right that's i think the thing that freaks me out because that's like true. you're you're wanting to bang this person and you're calling them little one and it's like mm, no that feels, feels bad bad yeah especially especially when like in conjunction with calling her little one there's so many times where like she'd be like i want to go back and he goes you cannot fight me like you cannot i'm gonna tell you what we're gonna do and it just mm-hmm. feels really rapey and i don't like it and manipulative and controlling and what an asshole and my god so uncomfortable yeah and that's the whole book like she really she she continually asks to leave and to be free and to be let go and he's just like nope if you die i die sucks to suck i guess (laughs) like this goes pretty quickly from like so the thing that we haven't really talked about but we're kind of talking around is that like every interaction they have he's got like this eastern european like machismo mindset going on and it's couched some somewhat in this book from the perspective of like they're the hunters of their kind and like trying to protect like the women and children kind of thing but like in a very old world kind of mentality and that goes very quickly from I'm trying to protect you to you can never leave because like, you know, in the the context of like that classic high school drama, like I'm going to hurt myself if you do. Yeah. Also, just as a call out, if somebody ever threatens to hurt themselves in front of you, you need to say I'm calling 911 and you need to do it. That person's yes. what they're doing is not on you. It's not your responsibility. That is a mental health issue. And unless you are qualified, even then, if it's somebody you personal, don't get involved. That is for somebody else to deal with and not you and get out of that situation. Yeah, it's uh, disgustingly manipulative. Correct. Yes. That's one of the things that was so frustrating in this book is like the way that he interacted with her was so manipulative. And from the word go, she didn't like it, but she kept saying, she wasn't even saying yes. She was saying no. And he just kept... She was saying no. He kept putting himself into a position where he had power over her and wasn't listening to her and calling her little one and telling her what they were going to do and, like, basically, like, touching her and having sex. And all the while, like, it's been... They've known each other for a couple of hours at this point. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I just don't like it and she kept making excuses for it like this entire book is not her falling in love it's her making excuses for bad behavior correct yes so because his little friends have shown up uh their evening is essentially over and so he takes her back to the inn and again forces her into sleep um under the guise of you're exhausted you've been you've had a long day blah blah let me help you sleep for the record, when he when we say forcing, it's not like he like punches her in the face and knocks her out. <laughs> he commands her verbally, and her, his verbal command is so powerful that it can control her and her actions. Correct. Sometimes that it's not a verbal command; it's a mental command. It's like right. a psychic but, push. Yeah, but the premise is the same. And she repeatedly asks him not to, and he does it anyway. Correct. Yep. Correct. So, so when Mikhail <laughs> returns to his house, he speaks with his people, and we learn that. Two things. He is their leader and that he has a sister that was the woman who was murdered. They believe that they are being targeted again by an old enemy and that a war is starting again. We don't really get a whole lot of more information there, but um, 
we learned that the sister had a partner who isn't her life mate and this person constantly cheated on her. So we're introduced to this concept of life mates where Carpathians have one true mate and when they find that person, they can't physically live without them. And if it was your true life mate, you would never cheat on that person. And so Mikhail has conflicted feelings about this because his sister never found hers and married this person who was awful to her. I have something unrelated. What fucking year is it? Essentially the 90s. Because he says that he has a computer that takes up his entire desk. <laughs> it's the 90s. <laughs> it's but the 90s. then later on, they mention like something super modern. And I just, what fucking year? When we get there, I'll read the other part. But like, this is where we learn that his work is, we don't know. Well, all we know is that his job is to spend all day on this computer that is the size of his desk. He also has a pager. I'm confused at like how his days work because he says all day at a computer but is it all day or is it all night i think it's all night because they're classic vampires in the way that like they can't go in the sunshine but they do but he does call it a day so like i don't know know. also (laughs) we still don't know what his job is like he does a lot of stuff but like we don't know what it is it's just computery we get it. So it's these. It's this competing like thing. Like he has a job that he has to sit and like do computer stuff, but then also like they're rich because they own like a bunch of like petroleum and mineral rights in the area. And it's like, okay, which is it? Like, are you a CEO? Like, because CEOs don't like do a lot of computer stuff. They like take a lot of meetings. Right. And so, uh, which is it? Which he also doesn't do. No. <laughs> right. You you can't meet with people because you only work at night. Also, have we reached, I'm trying to find in my notes here, have we reached the creamy swell yet? Oh, no. So going back to Mikhail's sister, we learn her name is Noelle and that she had a child with this other person that she married. um, And that child has been taken away from her father and put in a more stable home, which seems cringy. And (laughs) that there are also two other pregnant women in their kind of group that they now feel like they need to protect because it was very clear that Noelle was targeted because or I I guess it's clear to them that Noelle was targeted because she was spawning essentially and they're struggling to spawn right they're struggling to spawn ladies females yes they're struggling (laughs) to spawn females so the race is dying right I think it's also here that we learned that they've tried to turn human women into Carpathians but that typically doesn't go well and the turned women end up going insane and like either self-harming or harming others and have to be hunted. And so they're really in a tight spot in terms of prolonging their race because they, they can't procreate. Bummer. <laughs> so the next day, it was crazy bummer. So the next day Raven goes hiking. She finds it strange that no one in town seems aware of the murders and she assumes that it happened nearby. So She doesn't really know what that's about yet. And on her way out of town, she runs into Mrs. Summers, who was at dinner the night before. And Mrs. Summers is asking, like, way too many questions about Mikhail and is, like, super interested. And that gives Raven the heebie-jeebies. And then further along in her hike, she runs into Jacob, who is an absolute piece of shit. But she tells him off anyway. And it's just like, meh, you shouldn't, you know, treat me like that. That's not appropriate. And I don't have time for you. And then that somehow works and he fucks off. And this is when he says, uh, don't blame me when he leaves you alone, pregnant and alone. And I'm like, right. Ew. Not the pregnant and alone. What is wrong with you? I <laughs> right. know. I, also, throughout all these interactions, she's like defending him. Like, oh, I've known him forever. He's a friend. Why? Yeah. Why you are don't you claiming know him. this? You just met you him. him. 
So, okay. Raven is hiking. This is where I start. Okay, it's the computer thing and the work thing is, I think, before this. So that's when it started. But this is what I really was confused because Raven's hiking, right? And Mikhail wakes up and mentally reaches out for her and finds her asleep outside after the hike. And I have to assume that she wouldn't be hiking at night or near dusk. So I don't know what time this is. And I don't know how vampires work in this book. Listen, that's a really great question. (laughs) Follow up. Who goes on a hike and just takes a nap outside? In the forest? I think there are people who do that, but it's certainly people who, like, live in their van. Like, yeah, they are. Hiking is their life, not like a casual, I'm going to go on a hike because I'm on vacation kind of thing. And, and, like, I have, like, like, when I've traveled, I've, like, had a picnic and, like, dozed off in a park. But I certainly wouldn't if I was, like, just threatened to be raped. I'm not going to be like, that's fine. I'm going to go sleep now. But a park is one thing when you're, I'm, I'm picturing like a green, right? And there are like a lot of other people around. Yeah, that's where I've like dozed off. So Mikhail goes physically to Raven. And when he gets here, gets there, he finds Rand, who is Noelle's husband, kind of lingering near Raven. And nothing untoward has happened, but Mikhail is wary and Raven wakes up and he like mentally urges her to be silent. Rand is begging Mikhail for mercy because it's essentially his fault that Noel died because he wasn't there to be protecting her and like didn't appropriately like guard her and things like that. And he especially wants his child back. But Mikhail's basically like, nope, you're grieving. You're dangerous. Like, I need you to go to ground and heal. And this is kind of where we start to learn that Carpathians physically bury themselves to sleep and to heal, which is terrifying. So scary. Yeah, but that's what Mikhail is talking about when he is telling Rand to go to ground. Eventually, Rand leaves and Raven and Mikhail talk. Raven expresses sympathy for Mikhail's position and Mikhail tells her that they are of a different race of people who are almost extinct and that's why his word is law. He is their leader and basically he can order people around. And so that's what she witnessed with the whole Rand situation. Raven finds this shocking and disconcerting. Um... And this is finally the thing that makes her fear him in the 48 hours that she's known him. But it's more from the perspective that absolute power corrupts absolutely than the man itself or like the way he's treating her, which seems misplaced to me. Yeah. All of her emotions are misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't understand. There's so many moments where like she says something like I am afraid in her head. And then she says it out loud and he goes, don't be afraid. And she's like, oh, I'm not afraid. And it's like, what? <laughs> yep. Oh, well, that's great. That's very, that's very comforting. I'm not afraid anymore. Thank you so much. Thank right. you. And she just moves along. She's like, well, I'm not afraid anymore. It's like, why? That doesn't just. Ma'am. What? Ma'am. Trust is earned, <laughs> not given. Right. And it's especially not earned in 48 hours. Anyway. No. They're walking in the forest and then Mikhail like picks her up and like speed demons her into <laughs> his home and they're back in the library, not in a bedroom. And he essentially tells her because he's like ready to have some sex. And she, <laughs> he's like, if she wants to walk away now that she should and he'll let her go. But that if she says yes, that they'll that he'll never stop. And she accepts this, oh. even though. <laughs> Even though every interaction she's had up till now has been, I'm afraid. I want to leave. Stop treating me like that. She's just like, 
Well, okay. Well, even in this moment, she spends several pages, and I mean several pages, like (laughs) trying to figure out whether or not she wants to say yes to this and ultimately decides to say yes. But like, there's not a moment where she rationalizes the good and goes with a yes for that. Instead, she spends several pages listing out all the reasons he's scary and he's bad and he's not okay. All right, let's have sex. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Also, okay... (laughs) The, the circumstances of this book aside, she, in her mind, is not having a rational argument with herself because she is totally bought into this, like, if we have sex, we're, like, fucking married, right? And it's like, okay, one, I can have sex with whoever I want to. It does not mean that you have any ownership over who I am as a person or over my body. Nope. But she's just not even, like, she drove right past that and is like, this is a life and death decision. And we're going to do it. No she questions. She has that thought. But then in the same vein... uh. 4,700 pages later, she is back to being like, what do you mean? We just had sex. Why are you trying to control me? And it's like, which is it? Which is it? Which is it? There's also a lot of like jumps in this book, emotionally and action wise, where it's like, I have problems because he says that. Sure. Like, I'm never going to stop. We're going to be together. But he also doesn't like fully explain like the severity of this decision. But this also happens throughout the book where it's like we'll get to this but i'm going to share it now because it's like we just jump pages even though this book is a thousand pages long we're like she'll be in the kitchen drinking juice and then she's in a car and i'm like (laughs) what What happened in the middle like when did you leave the kitchen (laughs) so in that same vein this is related but a little unrelated the chapter breaks for this book are so random there's no there's no linear like they will be in the middle of something and they will go into the next chapter generally chapters you know you you finish a linear thought in that chapter and then you start a new linear thought in the next chapter and generally there's some there's usually some amount of time jump there and that's fine because we understand but no in the middle of a chapter there'll be like a whole new thought that will begin in the middle of it and you'll carry that through to like a random point and you'll pick up that same thought in the next chapter why yeah there's just there's just so much missing information i'm sorry there's there's so much missing information but going back to the not fully explaining like the severity of this decision to her he constantly does not provide her with information that is relevant and this is just one example and it's an egregious one but it's kind of like You know, you could have at any point in time sat her down and been like, hey, this is who I am, blah, blah. This is what we're talking about here. But that doesn't happen. And future in the book, she will ask him point blank, like, hey, what's going on? And he'll be like, don't worry about it. (laughs) And I'm like, maybe she should worry about it. Right. He's like, just stay there and like be quiet or like be good or just sit there. And it's like, why are you so disrespectful to this woman that you claim to love? Right. Because he doesn't trust her to do, like, to think for herself. At 100%. She's there to make babies and never wear pants again because ladies don't wear pants. Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> we, we have to move on. So she accepts this, like, choice on the table before her. And they consummate the relationship on the floor of the library in front of the fireplace. And I have a couple of notes about this scene. One... It is abundantly clear that this is an older romance because there is no explicit body part language. Like, we're talking about velvet sheaths. We're talking about 
folds. There's no clit. There's no cocks. There's no nothing like that. The most explicit language we get is about nipples. Second, the logistics are a little awkward and they don't make sense. Uh, Liz, I think you mentioned in our like recap, our like pregame recap, that it feels like somebody was writing about sex who's never had sex. So the thing that I specifically noticed in this scene is that there's a moment where they're on the floor and he's on top of her and he holds her hands above her head. But then somehow he eats her out. And then after he eats her out, he releases her hands. And I'm like, go, go gadget, extendo arms. Like, how does that work? She's just that tiny. She's just, just she's Thumbelina. (laughs) She's so small. I also had zero concept of what good smut was when I read this book because there's no like foreplay. It is like, okay, um, I like you and now we're on the floor. Also, it's like heavily implied she's a virgin and he's just like, shh, it'll be fine. Just take it. (laughs) Okay, but she's not a virgin though. Okay, she says it. So I don't know why she was like, I've I've taken her innocence. I'm like, okay, you haven't. (laughs) Okay, but you haven't. She says, stop. She asks him to stop because it hurts her. And he says, no, it's fine. And keeps going. (laughs) Fuck Uh that. And this is the moment where the rest of the book, anytime that there was any sort of sexy smut scene, I mostly just skipped it. Because I was so annoyed with his existence that I couldn't take any of it seriously or enjoy one single second of it. Also, in here, so again, I didn't really have a concept of good smut. But there's a line that she has in her her monologue that says, for a moment she had the impression of a wild animal forcing its mate into submission. I was like, that's a no for me, dog. And then he just, like, comes. So every time they had sex, he finishes real quick. And I just had the Pitbull Go Girl lyrics of, like, I make them bust quick. Man, I back it up like a Mack truck. (laughs) But without a modicum of the, the, like, confidence that it would take to do that. No, he just, like, he just, like, enters her and is like, and we're done here. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So... I did confirm that we do actually learn about the creamy swells or the first time they fool around, but they, okay. he, it oh, is brought okay. up often. So for reference listeners, the author refers to breasts as creamy swells. Oh, it's so gross. There's yeah, no, it's all of it's gross. Her velvet walls, his velvet sheathed steel. This is a little bit further down, I think, but, the tight velvet feminine channel. What, what uh, even? The channel. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> also, why do we have to add that it's feminine? Like, so in this scene, he feeds from her, and because he's so overzealous, he takes too much and then has to replenish her blood situation by making her feed from him. But she's so, like, I guess out of her mind from pleasure and blood loss that she thinks that she dreamed it and, like, doesn't have a solid, like, memory of it. I was going to say, this is twice he has taken her blood without consent. And also she's not aware of that because they just look like, like, he can heal it. So there's no mark. Right. Which, Which, again, (laughs) is problematic. (laughs) Yeah. So in this state, he takes her to bed. And as she sleeps, he goes to the priest in town father hummer and unburdens himself it's clear that father hummer knows what he is and mikhail talks about how disgusted he is that he's treated raven the the way he has 
and he knows it's wrong and he should restrain himself but he just can't he's like overcome by the need to like make her his life mate the priest in classic i also have a dick way counsels mikhail to not be so hard on himself and that he is a child in the eyes of god just like everyone else and i'm like what does that have to do with treating another human being like a piece of shit and, ra- and low-key raping not not even yeah. low-key high-key raping them yeah she right. says no repeatedly i mean she doesn't like yep. fight him while they're doing it but like she wanted to go home but no is a full sentence. So here's the thing. It's that same thing of what I mentioned earlier. It's the, I don't want this, no stop, and like spend several pages doing that. And then all of a sudden, this is great, and I love this. And there's no logical, linear path to follow from the first thought to the second thought. It's just no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. It reminded me a lot of the Ice Planet Barbarians, like, cooey. Yes. I had that same note. Your mind doesn't want it, but you've got this thing that's physically wanting like to do this. And so it's like, do you want it or do you not? Like your body can react, but if your mind is not on board, like that, it's that is rape. not consent. Right. right. And so I, I had that same thought. And so it made me wonder if part of being life mates is that continual draw of that. And so this was her like mind fighting where her life mate energy existed the problem i had is none of that was explicitly explained also that's a giant leap that like we would have had to make with no one telling us and given how much tell it would be it didn't seem in the realm of possibilities well and Mm -hmm. it's it's also not even explained to raven like making that jump i because i think that very much is what it is which we'll get to when she cannot be apart from him which i hated but like (laughs) it's none of it is explained to her either so for us to make the jump she's like meh well yeah and she gets the probably the least amount of information out of anybody including the readers of this book yes so when raven wakes up mikhail tries to convince her to stay with him and she doesn't want to give into him and so physically like separates by going into the shower he follows her in there and after a while she goes down on him but it's not a very good scene and just it's not a very good scene from like the language that was used but also from like just the problematic like logistics of their relationship at this point i'm just like why why are we doing this you wanted to like get away from him another line that i loved is so he like comes into the shower with her right the line is the way he hardened thrusting aggressively at the sight of her so is he just like yeah (laughs) air hopping yeah just like a dog like yeah that's all like why why (laughs) the other reason this is so disgusting is because she spends all like a lot of the like katie's point the relationship the communication is all don't control me I'm my own person. I am freed. Stop. Don't try to control me. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, I control you. I say what's happening here. Right. And she's just like, okay. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Can, can you <laughs> That's not the excuse making. The whiplash is just bad. <sighs> so bad. So Raven falls asleep again. And as she <laughs> sleeps, Mikhail goes with a couple of his people to where his sister was murdered. As a wolf, we learn that Mikhail can shapeshift. He enters the house by essentially, like, smashing through a window. And it's clear that the murderers had set up a camera trying to, like, capture ostensibly, like, proof of a vampire. Um, But Mikhail's inner monologue basically says the only thing that they're going to get a picture of is, like, a big wolf. He follows the scent of the murderers to the village. One goes to the doctor's house. And this doctor, we learn, it's actually a midwife. And the scent is her husband. 
And so Mikhail's basically like, okay, this midwife looks after Noelle and the other two pregnant women of my kind. And so we need to figure out if it's her or or if it's her husband. And the other three cents go to the inn where Raven is staying. And so this is where we start to find out that Raven is surrounded by awful people and was in their presence. And it's like, if you're so good at your what you do, how did you not fucking know? How did you not know? We don't get an answer to that. Anyway. <sighs> because she's not good. <laughs> no. So Mikhail returns to his people, tells them that they need to find a new doctor because they've been portrayed. And then kind of, I'm not sure if he tells them this or if he's just kind of thinking it to himself, but he has no intention of letting Raven return to the inn, which is immediately like thrown out the window, maybe a hundred pages later. And I'm just like, okay, one Raven is an idiot and doesn't think for herself, but also Mikhail is so unreliable as a narrator or a character. Like either she can go back to the inn or she can't make up your mind. He's too busy thrusting aggressively at the sight of her. (laughs) (laughs) I just, it feels It feels a lot like one of the things that we've talked about in some books is where the conversations don't make any sense. Where like two people are having a conversation in the same room in opposite directions. Yeah. And it feels like this whole book is that. Like Mikhail is doing his (laughs) thing and got his own story. And then Raven has her thing and her story. And they are at the antithesis of who each other are. But yet the story and the writing and the narratives to force them together. And it's like... Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't work that way no <laughs> no <laughs> no and it's it's stressful to read honestly yeah it's so stressful they also have like their conversations are so stilted like they like push this chemistry but i think this was before when they were in the shower and he like apologizes for being aggressive and she's like you know you made me feel pleasure who talks that way what uh, yeah the other thing, they keep having this thread of, like, don't force me to do stuff. And Mikhail's like, I'm just trying to do what I, you know, know how to do. I'm trying, blah, blah. And, like, this conversation happens legitimately, like, ten times in the mm-hmm. book. And it's exhausting. It's, it's like, almost the same language, too. Yeah, almost exactly. So, speaking of the same conversation, when he returns, Mikhail finds Raven awake and then they go onto like his patio and he offers her like some juice or something and she can't force it down because her stomach turns at the thought of it and like she feels like she's gonna throw up and this is he knows a product of her taking Mikhail's blood so he compels her to drink it and keep it down um this is not something that she particularly likes but uh ends up consenting to because she knows that she should drink something because she hasn't eaten let's count the days in 48 hours also at this point she still doesn't know what he is yep nope and she's just cool with that yep so she hates this situation and starts stomping off into the woods intending to go back to the village and mikhail follows her she realizes his wolves are also there and she shouts at him that he doesn't scare her and that she'll go if she wants to and he placates her in his typical male way and the path that they're on just ends up looping back to the house and like she just lets that happen which ew ew it's so and even this she i hate her i don't like her as a character because like she will yell at him for being manipulative but then her inner monologue is like oh his male laughter i couldn't 
keep myself from laughing as his wolves circled me. Girl, what? It's like, <laughs> it's like, how do I stay mad at him? And it's like, easily. I'm mad for you. Be mad. Right. And it's, so in this scene, it's it's clear that the author is trying to make it seem like she's reluctantly coming to terms with, like, kind of loving him a little bit. But she's, like, reluctant and afraid of things moving so fast, which, like, girl, same. And they sit back down on the patio together, and they both hear the wolves kind of signaling a warning that somebody is, like, on the property and intruding. Raven hears the wolves, too, and understands that they're communicating with Mikhail and is like, why do I know that they're talking to you? And to Des's point, this is where the break in the chapters was really apparent because she says that thing and then we're in another chapter, but it's the same scene. And I don't right. understand why. <laughs> why? And I just... So... Uh, mm, go ahead. No, I, that's just why. Why? <laughs> why? 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 So the intruders are in a car and as the car approaches, Mikhail like makes them look like they had a breakfast or like dinner i don't, I don't know what i don't know why either he like sprinkles crumbs on the plates but like there was where did the crumbs come from well they have like there's like they have muffins on the table but oh. then he like sprinkles the crumbs from the muffin across their plates like they were eating but it wasn't like you already had muffins out why couldn't you just why was that not enough why <laughs> didn't raven find that weird well hang on why does she find it weird? There's a million things she should find very weird and doesn't. So let's not let's not give her credit where it's on the muffin thing. Right. It's not it's not explained to us either why he does that. Like uh, you are in the middle of a meal. You don't have to pretend like you've eaten. Right. So uh, let's let's get to let's get let's get on to more things that are weird and problematic about this book because the intruders are Father Hummer and the two women from the inn. So it's um, Shelly, who is Jacob's sister, and Mrs. Summers, and they essentially tell them, tell Mikhail and Raven that they were so concerned for Raven's safety that they forced Father Hummer to take them up there to make sure that she was okay. And my immediate thought was like, you don't fucking know me. Get out of my life. Stop asking questions. This is incredibly rude. And if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to call the authorities. Like, on what planet is it okay for some fellow in resider to just like check up on you and your quote unquote safety? That being said, they absolutely should have. I, like I'm with you. For sure. But like this was a really unsafe situation for her to be in. And so like on the one hand, it's the I think there's a two pronged problem here. One, it's not just, hey girl, you okay? It's like interrogation and mm-hmm. like, guilt tripping and like some like emotional manipulation on their part and then it's also like yeah i do appreciate that they checked in on her because like that was a really weird situation but it doesn't seem as innocent as we're just checking in on you it seems like we suspect something and we're here to interrogate you but we're doing under the guise of checking in on you exactly I'm coming at it from the perspective of like I'm an adult that makes my own choices and I wouldn't be in the situation that Raven is. <laughs> so like also I that. found that really weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. The whole situation is weird. So like before these people actually get to that like place where they're like, hey, we're coming to check on you, two things happen. One, Raven telepathically tells Mikhail that somebody else at the inn has telepathic abilities. And that's the only time that we get like Raven being a conscious, unreliable narrator. Like, it's clear that she knew this. It's clear that she didn't bring it up in her internal monologue before. 
It's the only time that this has happened. The other time she's an unreliable narrator because she's just stupid. <laughs> the second thing that happens is that Mikhail essentially asks her to marry him and shows her how much he physically wants her, but also opens his mind to her to show him to show her how much he loves her. And yuck. Yuck. <laughs> And again, he's asking her to agree to something she doesn't understand. Yes, exactly. He opens her mind to her, but not enough to give her all of the answers that she needs. Nope. So when Shelly, Father Hummer, and Mrs. Summers get there, it's obvious that Shelly is just like, oh, hubba hubba for Mikhail. And she hugs Raven, even though they've known each other less than a week, which I thought was weird. And Raven's just like, please don't touch me. Mrs. Yeah. Summers clearly dislikes Mikhail. <laughs> Sorry, says... That she's the one that insisted on bringing on Father Hummer bringing them to check on Raven. And um, it becomes clear in this conversation that Mrs. Summers is the telepathic one. When she touches Raven, Raven senses death upon her and Mikhail. And, and so, like, we are to intuit that, like, she has the telepathic abilities and somehow she's related to the murder of Noel. Mikhail invites them in and is like very charming and uh they all kind of have this weird cagey conversation where they're all going in a million different directions and not really talking to each other <laughs> in a cohesive way <laughs> yeah mikhail okay so going back to the like don't check on me because we don't know each other mikhail's like i let the innkeeper know that raven wasn't coming back and she didn't tell you and i'm like why would she it's none of their fucking business like i wouldn't want an innkeeper letting anybody know where i was or was not at a given point in time no. that also feels like that feels a lot like a uh, a product of the time too. Like, I think mm -hmm. when because traveling wasn't just as accessible as it is today. I mean, it's still not accessible to a lot of people, but it was super not accessible in like the eighties, nineties. So when you were in more obscure places, you did have more of a relationship with the innkeeper because it's more of like, where should I go? Like, what should I do? Like, we didn't have the internet to just be like what are what are the top five things i should do in this city or whatever so i do think there is more of a relationship to be made there and to be had but and i i think for me this if it didn't have the sneaky guys of like i'm checking up on my suspicion it would feel really genuine to have somebody it feels like checking up on a girl who looks a little too drunk at the club like hey girl you okay like mm -hmm. yes this is more effort because you dragged a priest into it and drove a million miles but like <laughs> it does feel in some ways actually it feels good to have them check on her but also sidebar where how do they know where she i guess they left together 48 yeah. hours ago it's still <laughs> right. yeah yeah so okay. a couple of weird things happen in this conversation one of them is super problematic because raven hasn't given mikhail an answer but raven or mikhail announces to the group that raven has consented to be his wife and she doesn't correct him to and yeah and she he just kind of drops that um and then they start talking about vampires and <laughs> the two women ask him if he believes in the local legends and he says not really but it helps to drum up tourism blah blah and then he and father hummer have this like very seemingly staged conversation about a local man who like faked being bitten and then was found out and then like the priest made him do penance and it just feels like they've done this before and it was very like not genuine and then mikhail deftly encourages the people to leave he's like you know candidly get the fuck out of my house <laughs> right um <laughs> i'm gonna do my fiance bye Right. And so they offer to take Raven with them, but both refuse. Raven doesn't outwardly say no, but Mikhail kind of says no for her. And we get 
Raven's inner monologue that says that she knows that she wouldn't last the car ride with Mrs. Summers. And whether that's due to Mrs. Summers' twisted mind or because that she would kill her is kind of unclear. There's also this moment where, um, I can't remember which one it is, I can't remember if it's Shelly or Mrs. Summers, but one of them, like, grabs Raven's wrist or... I don't, yeah, someone grabs her wrist and says something like, you know, bye or whatever. I'm trying to remember who actually said this and my notes are not very clear, but like verbiage like shackle her fragile wrists are used. And it's just, there's a lot of verbiage to just make it seem very like trapped and kidnapped. And I don't like that. I don't either. So when these people leave, Mikhail and Raven talk and she says she wants to go back to the inn. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, that seems like a real bad idea. Like, I, I get it. You want to leave. But you, you should, like, leave the area. Because there are murderers in your inn. <laughs> and you know this. And you know this. Ugh. So I don't know why she wants to go back to the inn. But she's very insistent. She also asked Mikhail to let her help him catch these serial killers. Which, again, seems like a bad idea. But... She tells him that even if it, he were a vampire, okay, this, this is weird. <laughs> they have this conversation and Raven's like, you know, even if you were a vampire, I would trust you. And I can't help but think that she, she says this on the heels of this conversation because she still is under the impression that like Carpathians are not vampires. And I'm like, I can't help but think this would be a great time to tell her everything hey, about, by the way. <laughs> what you are and what the difference is and uh literally any more information but alas we get none of that yeah i have that highlighted in my notes as well and she says i would trust you with my life vampire or not i would trust you with the with the life of my children what (laughs) why (laughs) literally why mikhail rather than saying like oh okay let's talk about this like adults he's like you can't help me i need to do this by myself i need to protect you blah blah and raven says i'm supposed to be your partner and i just feel like that in conjunction with like i would trust you with the lives of my children she went from zero to married real fucking quick she's fine with it she's fine with it yeah she's fine with it and at some point she like they talk about something that makes Mikhail's like face change. And she muses that sometimes Mikhail looks like a different person, cold and calculating rather than the warm man she knows. And I'm like, girl, you don't know him. You've known him for 48 hours. Yeah. No, No. you know nothing about him. You know nothing about him. I think you're 16 and an idiot. Like what? Look at your life. Look at your choices. (laughs) Why are you still in the bed? (laughs) Why are you still in the bed? Okay, so rather than, I don't know, finishing this conversation like adults or for having Raven assert any kind of personality or choice, they bang on the floor again. Um, She then proceeds to take a bath and Mikhail steps out to feed. And he even says, I need to feed. And she's like, in English, you say, I need to eat. And he's like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, actually, no. (laughs) Right. Before they leave, before he leaves, they do talk about like being life mates and fidelity, and he gives her a ruby engagement ring. But they talk about fidelity in a really weird way. Like it occurs to Raven that she doesn't know if Mikhail believes in fidelity, and she's like, maybe I've committed to something too quickly. And I'm like, that's the thing that makes you think that. <laughs> also, I, it seems what? so weird to me that like. An engagement of marriage is like there's now the option of fidelity like that. 
do you, oh. you believe in the contract of marriage, but you think that marriage can include like we're just not going to be faithful? What? I mean, even even if you get married and you want to have an open relationship, like maybe have that conversation before you get engaged. Yeah, but also this is the nineties. <laughs> like what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, Mikhail lied to her. He didn't go out to just feed. He's also doing recon on the killers. <laughs> he goes to the midwife's home, and it's obvious that it's her husband and not her that's involved. So it's the two of them plus two others. And in this discussion, the, the midwife says that, you know, they're, they're kind of talking about the, the possibility that Mikhail is a vampire. And she's like, Mikhail's a good, God-fearing man. He's in church every Sunday. And now I really don't know if he can be, like, <laughs> in the sunshine or if he's nocturnal by choice oh that's a great how does he go to church i don't know because there's a part later where like the sun is up and he talks about how she can't she'll get burned right and he has to be in the sun and is getting burned and i'm like then how are you fucking going to church without like bursting into flame Uh, sunblock mm. I guess. Midnight mass? Jesus. He's wearing, you know what? He gets dressed in his nice clothing, but before he gets dressed in his nice clothing, he wears those like, uh, he wears like six layers of the rash guard UV protection. For sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> as well as a ski mask of UV protection. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. No one questions this. Because no, also, no we're in like the Ukraine or something, so maybe it's really cold. I don't know. The sun's but still the sun- there. <laughs> I know that, yeah. but I mean, like, for him to be bundled up, like, for no one to question oh, that. Yeah. If it's, like, 80 degrees during a ski mask, like, that's weird. <laughs> it's like, it's like a taste of golden iron when they were just wrapped in toilet paper for no reason. Yes! yes. <laughs> for just no reason. I don't know. For no reason. <laughs> so, these people in the cottage see a wolf outside. It's not Mikhail. And they immediately are like, why is that wolf being sus? I'm going to kill it. <laughs> and... <laughs> Mikhail like blocks the shot physically and is shot instead and the other wolf was one of his people this person's name is Byron and instead of like fleeing in a way that would be quick they go home in a car because they all feel like they're being watched when they get back to Mikhail's house we learn that the person watching them was Raven she was looking at the scene through Byron's mind which also feels like an invasion of privacy (laughs) And Raven accuses Mikhail of lying to her and takes the ring off and is like, I don't think we can do this. Oh, my God. This was so stupid. I know. The will they or won't they of this already married, quote unquote, couple is ridiculous. <laughs> also, I, there's many reasons she should say I can't do this. This whole argument made no sense. Like, he lied no to sense. you about what? <laughs> what? I mean, he he clearly lied to you, but he like... I just don't understand why this was the straw that broke the camel's back because he like lying to you is sure fine. But like he's also been imprisoning you for 48 hours and drinking your blood without telling you. (laughs) Well, and she's like, I was going to say she makes this line in this argument of like, to me, love means honesty. I'm like, okay, but it also means like respect, dignity, trust, not, I don't know, (laughs) raping you. (laughs) Mm-hmm. nope just honesty cool 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 yeah that's where the bar is on the on the underground actually it's in the ground with the vampires where mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. also want to be later together except not really no not at all <laughs> okay so this is where i think it would have been a good opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about raven like 
man, just shoot, shooting, shooting in the dark here. It would be really great for me to know and understand what one of her like major cardinal fears is so that I can understand the severity of like, if she ever has to confront one of those fears, where that's coming from. And so it's not just thrown at me out of the blue at a later point. Oh, you mean like when she's buried and has been? Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, it's my greatest fear. And I'm like, is it? We, we've we been with you for, uh, God, 370 pages. We it feels know, like years. We know nothing about her except that she has long black hair. She's very tiny. She's curvy with a tiny waist. And she prefers jeans. And she's that, American. And she's that, American. That occasionally Mikkel just rips off of her body. Right. The one the pair jeans, of jeans. Not her American. She, <laughs> I think he would love to rip off the American. I... I also don't like the whole like American like Eastern European trope. I'm just I don't like either. It's playing into the whole like Americans are independent, aren't they? Stupid. <laughs> like, okay, and like fair, America thing. has problems, but <laughs> but like she is, she's not even really independent. Like <laughs> she's not independent at all. She I just has leave, no one else. <laughs> I wouldn't leave her alone in a grocery store. No, she's gonna get sold and it's like sex trafficking. <laughs> She's going to get trapped in an ice maker, and I'll never see her again. <laughs> so picture the scene. Mikhail is wounded because he's been shot with a shotgun on the bed. He's bleeding out, and Raven is accusing him of lying to her, and that is what makes her decide that she wants to leave him. So she takes the ring off, and she's like, bye. And Mikhail, rather than letting himself be healed and then going to have a conversation with her like a rational adult, forces everybody else out of the room because there's like three other motherfuckers here that are trying to help him who are freaking out because this is their prince. And he's like, leave us. And he's like, Raven, please don't leave me. I'm going to die without you. And she doesn't understand what he's saying because he's actually dying. And so I think that she (laughs) conflates like him actually dying with like, the concept of being without your life mate and this whole conversation i don't know how he worms his way back in but he begs her not to go and eventually kind of apologizes and she kind of relents it's it's that same thing again of no 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 okay why where how did you make that decision i don't know because we don't see any of that thought process no but rather than I don't know, staying to see if he like recovers or not, or like being a part of that process because you kind of, I guess, love this person now. I'm sure. She goes back to the fucking inn. And I'm like, okay, I realize that maybe you don't want to be with Mikhail right now and you want like your own space, whatever. It it can't be the inn. There are literal killers at the inn. You know this without a doubt at this point. Why the fuck? Okay. Even even from, let's just remove the personal safety aspect. Like, let's just assume that you knew 100% that these people were not going to kill you, which is not an assumption that you should make because you've been hanging out with Mikhail and they know that. <laughs> she has telepathic ability that she feels like glass is being, like, forced into her brain. Physical pain when she's around people who are projecting negative twisted emotions, which we have learned in this book before killers do. What about going back to the inn is attractive for you? Her pants are there. Her jeans. You're right. I got to leave. <laughs> it's just her jeans. She just wants her American pants. Right. Because that's the other thing that we're not really talking about. Michaela. <laughs> Michaela does not want her to wear anything other than like dresses. Because pants are seen as too masculine. Like Victorian Fuck dresses. You. Like high necked 
floor length like no no he calls jeans offensive yes <laughs> i i don't know but it's stupid that she goes it's it's all stupid i <laughs> My my note here is I feel like I'm slamming my head into a wall repeatedly. And the wall's slamming back. And the wall is <laughs> slamming back. Mikhail is getting healed. And then so she's about to go back to the inn. But before she goes, Mikhail's like, you need to have some juice. Because she hasn't eaten oh, yeah. anything in a couple of days. And her thought process for this is like, oh, I really must have the flu. And I'm like, does the flu do that to you, queen? Because it doesn't to me. And if I haven't eaten in like... 36 hours i i turn into someone you do not want to be around right so she also makes this comment that says uh that mikhail wouldn't let the people that are there treat him until she drank the juice again how incredibly manipulative what the fuck is wrong with you he continues to be so manipulative because even with like oh don't leave me don't break up with me whatever it's like if you leave i'll die immediately and it's like okay (laughs) But somehow, those stakes don't even feel real to me. No. Because it's like, okay, die. Fine. Right. Good luck. Bye. Have a great time. Yeah. So for the Jews, she interacts with this other Carpathian named Jacques. And he's basically like, you know, he tells her the thing, like, Mikhail's not going to let anybody touch him unless you drink this fucking juice. Can you please just do this? Can you please just drink the juice? he's the one that drives her back to the inn after she drinks the juice. In that cutscene, that makes no sense. In a cutscene, that makes no sense. Is he? Because isn't he also the one that feeds Mikkel? He goes back. Oh, my fucking He God. drops her off into a den of assassins <laughs> and is like, deuces. Yeah. yeah. He goes back. Mikhail's dying. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. So that's the other thing that doesn't make any goddamn fucking sense. They drop. They drop. Jock drops her off and it's just like, all right, see ya. And <laughs> Raven. Okay. Is unprotected. There are no, like, they can do some kind of, like, warding magic, something, something. There's none of that to her He's room. He's busy. Okay. And Jacques, Jacques goes back to, like, feed him some blood. And I had this note of, like, look, if we can make it gay, let's do that instead. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, because they have their, like, three-way blood draw. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure we're there yet because, remember, there's, like, four different times that this happens. We're not there yet, but make it gay. Jacques does yeah. feed Mikkel, and I wanted it. That would be, that'd be great. Gay vampires? Sure. I would be here for that, too. This, but this is the part where, like, he tells her, hey, you won't be able to reach me, right? And she's like, that's fine. And then immediately cannot handle that, <laughs> even though she's the one who wanted to go to the goddamn but he inn. Didn't, but he didn't tell her. He told her. He did. He did. Uh, okay. So he did kind of tell her this. He was like, it's going to be really hard for you Are to you be defending apart from him? me. No, but I'm. No, I'm not. She, he's He sucks. But she's also an idiot because when he does give her, like, information she's like it's fine i'm fine i don't it's fine well you're wrong that's gotta be wrong he doesn't communicate the severity or the like the realness of the situation he'll be like i'll die without you but he doesn't explain why he would die without her no Mm -hmm. but he does say like you're not gonna be able to reach me it's gonna be really hard you're gonna you won't be able to like uh, have normal emotions but no it's not the severity of like you're gonna want to jump off the balcony (laughs) right So let's let's dive into that a little bit, because immediately, as soon as Raven is alone in her room, she starts to feel the grief of being separated from Mikhail, like physically. Like he's left and her. So, right. Like it feels like he's dead. And she like goes out onto her balcony to have like a Nicholas Sparks moment. And she finds she finds Father Hummer on her balcony. 
How and why? How and why? And he says, oh, the innkeeper, because I'm an 80-year-old man, thought that it would be fine if I just waited for you out here. And I'm like, how did you get to the balcony? Yes. I guess let her. I I picture the innkeeper like let him in the room and then like outside and was like, you can wait here. Why not wait in the lobby? Right. Like there's right. a million better ways to have done this. And it's never explained. <laughs> and it's cold. So she's like this old man with a blanket like out in the cold. And she, notices- and she doesn't immediately go onto her balcony. And so he was like, she was in the room and he was just like, I'll just wait here until she comes outside. I don't want to tap on the window. That would be weird. It's just like, dude, what are we doing here? <sighs> right. Also, and like- how is he going to protect her? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> he just sits there and is cold. And she notices that he's cold. And she's just like, well, I guess he's cold. <laughs> doesn't really do much about that. Like, I think eventually they do go inside, but like, it's not immediate. No, it's no, not. It's and not. he's like trying to explain to her like, hey, Mikhail asked me to look after you because he knew that today would be hard on you. Why don't you come back to my house so we can like hang out today? And Raven's like, Okay. Which also and they do that. <laughs> they do that. But it was also like explicitly said, like, you will not leave your room. You will not go anywhere. Except if it's with Father Hummer, apparently. Uh, right. And so I'm just like, OK. It's like when you have kids and then like you send like somebody else to pick them up from school and like they're supposed to be like a password, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> so they don't just go with a stranger. Like yes. uh, there was no password exchange here. And I just feel like. I don't understand. I don't. This whole fucking situation doesn't make any goddamn sense. Again, you're in a den of assassins. Let's leave with the stranger that's lurking on your balcony. So one thing that I did think about um, while we were talking is that I think it wasn't actually the innkeeper, Miss Summers, who let him into the room. Miss Summers isn't the innkeeper. Oh, whatever the fuck her name is. She's got a long name. Anyways, whoever he said let him in there, it's not that. It's one of the vampires picked him up and flew him onto the balcony Definitely. and was like wait here yeah don't move here's a small blanket use it wisely have fun sorry you're 80 and cold but toodles possible so we should mention here one of the reasons that raven is so frantic because she can't like she's separated from mikhail is that she's mentally separated from mikhail too because he's like sleeping and healing in the ground And so he is, for all intents and purposes, dead or in, like, hibernation mode. And so she it actually feels like he is, like, gone from her. And that's why she's having so much trouble. But the rest of the day, Father Hummer essentially enlists her in hard labor in the garden. And this (laughs) kind of distracts her. She needs sunglasses because her eyes are becoming more sensitive to the light. And Father Hummer lends her some. When she is, like, in the throes of anxiety and, like... Trying to ground herself, she bites into her own lip so hard that she starts to bleed and she realizes that she likes the taste of her own blood, which like, ew, girl, how are you not putting this together? She's so stupid. (laughs) But eventually she's like, okay, I've got like two hours left until Mikhail said that he would come back for me. He said he would come back at like three or five o'clock or some shit. And which, again, is probably not when the sun goes down. But she could, like goes back to the inn for these two hours. She's like, I can do this. I can be by myself. Like, thank you, Father Hummer. But I, I am strong woman. Hear me roar. But when she's in the inn, she realizes that she can use her supersonic hearing that she now has because she took Mikhail's blood and she doesn't realize it. She can hear some of the assassins conspiring and she follows them. Because she's a f- and- goddamn idiot. <laughs> She's a fucking idiot. And I'm like, with what backup, 
ma'am, how did you think this was going to be a good idea? And she's like, her internal monologue is like, I've done this before. This isn't my first time. And I'm like, yeah, you were working with the fucking cops, dude. Right. You had police behind you. So they, she follows them into the woods and she, for one moment, thinks that they're going to go to Mikhail's house, but they like turn a different way and they don't go there. And they end up at this, like, I guess next to a cottage, but they start digging in the forest, like not in the cottage. And I don't, I don't really understand why, but what, like why the, the person that's in the ground wouldn't be in the ground in the house, but it's a great question. Whatever. But Raven realizes that there's a woman underground, like starting to give birth. And she thinks that this person must be trapped in a mine shaft. And I'm like, what? Originally, when she first like identifies that there's a person underground, she says the first wave of nausea hit Raven, then a peculiar sensation, then a wave of pain starting in her lower back, spreading around her abdomen, tightening every muscle. In that sentence, I jumped off a cliff and was like, is she giving birth right now? <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized it was, she was feeling someone else's feelings. There's a, yep. there's a lot of cliffs in this book, so I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and this could be an ice planet barbarian situation where you're immediately pregnant. Yeah. So she tries to... I, somehow she knows that these people aren't trying to dig this woman out to help her. So she tries to distract them and... It, this goes sideways really fucking quickly. So she's like communicating with the woman in the mine shaft and knows that she's Carpathian. So I think that's why she knows that these assassins are like not going to be nice to her, even though she hasn't drawn the, you know, like the just the five more seconds of brain power that it would take you to realize these people think Carpathians are vampires. Maybe there's something to that. Anyway, <laughs> no, she's like mind communicating. Mrs. Summers is there and she like picks up on that. And so um, like, they end up trying to get Raven to like not tell anybody and like attack her essentially. Jacob in particular chases Ra Raven into the forest and she knows for sure that he wants to rape her in this moment. He rips her shirt, fondles her chest, and then sees the mark from Mikhail and knows that she's one of the vampire people. And then he ends up stabbing her repeatedly in the stomach. He sees the little mark on her body. How did she not see it? right also i thought those were like healed so right and a, a small mark on someone's body could be anything like talk about jumping off a cliff right uh the other thing i was going to say that is not quite as relevant but it matters to me i think if you're going to have two characters whose names are jack and jacob they need to be on the same playing field because having them be mm -hmm. on opposite sides, like, I realize that those are names are relatively different, but they both start with J-A-C. And so my brain would occasionally go, Jacob, no, Jack, wait, who? <laughs> yeah. So Raven is being stabbed and murdered. And she mentally screams out for Mikhail and is like, I'm sorry, blah, blah. Then there's kind of like an earthquake and a thunderstorm all at once. And Mikhail finally arrives with like a cavalcade of other Carpathians and they kill the assassin and Mikhail makes Raven drink his blood to keep her alive. So also just worth noting that we get the the use of creamy swell for again? breasts again. Jacob oh, peers right. closely at the creamy swell of her breasts. Ew. 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 So Ew. gross. So 
Raven is dying, and it's very important that we know that she was stabbed, like, in the abdomen, so, like, her uterus, as well as, like, her other major organs, which becomes important later, I guess. <laughs> they go back to Mikhail's home, and they begin the process to, like, heal and turn her. And there's a bunch of people here. There's, like, so Jacques and Byron, people. and then this guy Gregory, who's, like, Mikhail's second in command. We should also mention that Jacques is Mikhail's brother. There's also this woman, Celeste, who shows up, who is somebody's life mate. I forget who. And she's like, let me help her. Like, I can, you know, I'm a give woman. her my blood or something. I'm a, let me do this for her. But then they're like, okay. And then as soon as this woman sees the damage to raven's stomach she's like oh god there's nothing i could do and i'm like what? <laughs> i know <laughs> thanks thank you so much celeste that was such a good had- good helpful thing to do <laughs> she's served no purpose other than to, like be a woman there god, i've forgotten about her this she's is where we get a lot of blood sharing which made me uncomfortable like i'm into vampires but this was like a, a lot so raven is dying they've packed her wounds full of just stay with me dirt and saliva and (laughs) she is being they've they've set up like a a manual transfusion with mikhail to like replace her blood with carpathian blood but mikhail also needs blood to like keep doing this and so he's drinking from other people in the room starting with jacques ending with byron and i don't think that's how that works and also, it made me wildly uncomfortable. It's not how it works. It's no. And I think it's Gregory who's working on. Fuck Raven. Gregory. Fuck Gregory. Fuck that guy. Absolutely fuck Gregory. We'll get into why later, but just know now fuck Gregory. Yeah, fuck that guy. But he makes a point of being like, you know, he, he does. Sur- surgery work i don't know he like tries to heal raven's wounds and he makes a point to say that he was meticulous in paying attention to her female organs so that she mm. can have children i hated that it was like yeah it only mattered to heal her so that she still had a uterus right baby making machine also gregory <laughs> the vampire is a stupid name and image yep <laughs> Hi, my name's greg <laughs> And, like, it is Gregory with an I, but, it's like, it's Gregory. it's Gregory. Yeah. No, Gregory. Gregory. It probably is pronounced Gregory because they're, again, in, like, the Ukraine or something. Yeah. I prefer Gregory the Vampire. <laughs> it's like Bob the Drag Queen, Gregory the Vampire. <laughs> so after the majority of the healing, like, I guess, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The majority of the active healing is done. And so now Mikhail and everybody else know that they both need to go to ground, bury themselves so that they can let the earth heal them. But as Mikhail tries to do this, Raven starts freaking out because she feels like she's being buried alive. And so rather than doing that, they just end up covering a mattress with a layer of dirt to get the same effect. And then they also sprinkle dirt on top of them and then put a sheet over that so that when Raven like wakes up, she like thinks that she's in a bed and not in soil because she's it says like to feel the cotton on her like neck and face. I would still know that I was covered in dirt. Yes, <laughs> I would too. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> right. 
So when Raven does wake up, she starts freaking out. She wants to die rather than be what they've made her because, again, they haven't talked about this at all. Like, all of the memories that she had kind of repressed about Mikhail feeding from her and being forced to feed from him are now crystal fucking clear and she, like, remembers all of it. But they don't actually talk in a meaningful way about, like, why he didn't tell her about that or, like, what it means or anything like that. Mikhail just says that if she dies, he must as well. And she's like, but that doesn't make any sense. Why can't I just die and you can stay here and be fine? Yeah. I hated this entire conversation. Anyway, she goes back to sleep. She wakes up sobbing again. There's a lot of like going to sleep, waking up sobbing, having the same conversation. And she says she can't do this, that Mikhail's taken everything from her. And I'm just bored. I'm unmoved. Like the second and... The second time this would happened, maybe, but I just feel like the the stakes weren't that high. And now, now it just feels like for Raven, like the sex and the life mate talk was fine, but now she's actually staring the consequences of those decisions in the face and it's not okay. And it's just like, I, I, I don't have any affinity toward either of these characters. I don't remember if it's here, like in a previous argument, because they have the same conversation. But there's a point where, like, she's like relatively healed and she's crying. And he asks why she's crying. And I'm like, you keep making her cry and then asking why she's crying. And I'm just like, right. And I felt the same way. Like, it was also very much um, Boy Who Cried Wolf. Like, the stakes aren't there because I know you're not going to leave. Right. So you can have this conversation again, but you're still going to make the wrong choice again. And he's going to manipulate you again. This is where I started to like, I was really frustrated with the book and wasn't having a great time. This is where I turn in from. I'm not enjoying this to I actively hate this book. Yeah. Yeah. And this was one, this was the part of the book where I thought we were coming, like we were in the, the inflection inflection point of the main story arc and that as soon as we got to the other side of this the book would be done and then i looked at the page count and i was like that can't happen i have a similar note right around this as well yeah so this this conversation goes a little sideways because he's like checking out her wounds and she's he he sees that she's mostly healed but then it becomes a little bit sexual and and that seems to be enough to put push raven more towards acceptance mikhail cuts himself and tells her that whatever her choice that she must be certain because he can't go back to a life of darkness she seals his wound with her tongue but likes the taste of his blood despite herself and then they fuck and i don't i don't really know why i don't know if it's this sex scene or later it doesn't matter but another functionality problem is there's that one point where like she goes to give him a blowjob so she's on her knees but also licks his chest yep (laughs) what yep how even (laughs) if she were a tall woman that's not how proportions work wait what do you what are you saying if you are on your knees in front of a man Mm -hmm. by his dick you can't also lick his chest no no that is correct right what if you are (laughs) No. Okay. No. I tried to map it out too. And if you're no. laying down, maybe because you can just extend. You can your shift. Leg. But she's on her knees. Yeah. And even if yeah. he's sitting standing, doesn't matter. His chest is at the same height in proportion to her head. Yeah. So I didn't like that. <laughs> There's also a line in the scene where 
from Raven's inner monologue perspective, quote, she feared he was waiting too long and might not be able to live to breathe to merge completely with her. And I just don't know if they're talking about the cut or the sex or something else. Like there was a lot of lines like this that I guess wanted to be super intimate and like super high stakes, but I was just like confused. Yeah. So they go out of the house and into the mountains and like down into a cave where there's a grotto with a hot spring and they bathe there and they fuck there and then Raven again goes from denial and anguish to like fully participating in like no time flat it's and this is again where I have a note about like how different the smut is in this book because it's it's definitely like much less sequential and like far less specific language and it's almost disorienting like like in this particular scene they like start fucking and then they're just like on the other side of the room and like you don't really understand how that happens and it, it takes you out of like the ability to even enjoy like beyond the the issues that we've already called out that prevent us from enjoying this like it's just jarring it is jarring it doesn't follow a logistical sense of having sex (laughs) it also doesn't give us any any real insight into the way that these people are feeling when they're engaging together because and that's why I say that she goes from denial and anguish to fully participating in like no time flat because they're having sex and then she willingly feeds from him and he from her and they bind themselves to one another as life mates and she's just like yep all in when uh, 20 minutes ago you wanted to be a free human right uh, yeah I just don't get it so they go back to the house and Raven realizes that she doesn't have any clothes and that tends to happen in these sort of books. And I just hate books that happen mostly in the bedroom and just like get caught up in the logistics of like, oh, um, I don't have clothes here. And it's just like, there's so many more interesting things that you could be doing with your life. Yeah. <sighs> Mikhail steps out to tie up some loose ends and Raven wants to go with him. And Mikhail is like, can you not just this once? Because like you almost died and you're like newly turned and I already watched you die once. And she's like, don't lock me up, Mur. And I'm like, Raven, babe, can you just like take a breather for like a couple of hours? Like, <sighs> I get it. But like, you've already, you've already accepted this. But his next, his next movement, I'm not cool with. He traps her in the house. Yeah, he does trap her and in the house. And then when she questions that, he's like, not really. I'm trapping other people out. And she's like, don't do right. that. And he's like. No, I'm going to do that. Nope, too late, dog. (laughs) Yeah. I hated that. Like, I get that she needs to rest, but this is is not the solution. Like, at the end of the day, your problems are your own. And if you go out and do something before you're ready and you end up re-injuring yourself, that's that's on you, baby doll. Like, but you don't trap somebody in a house. Don't trap anybody anywhere. Don't trap people. Don't just don't trap people. People are not prisoners. Fish are friends, not food. Yeah, and I just, again, she's they're talking at each other in two different directions because, like, in this conversation, they also talk a fair bit about how Mikhail couldn't, like, mentally get to her or, like, physically get to her when, like, there was that day where he was healing and then she got attacked at the end of it because he was literally comatose in the ground and she asks no follow-up questions about this. Nope. Even though she, like, kind of knows what she is, like, they just don't have a coherent conversation about what that means and, like, all of the ramifications and, like, all of this stuff and ultimately, like, she relents to stay behind after this conversation, and they have, like, one more quickie. God. 
And it just feels like we we had we had this story arc and my note here is how are we only halfway through the book? What is the plot? Like I'm confused. This is honestly where my notes kind of stop because I was like and they come back again later. But I was just like, <laughs> okay, I have been down this road before i have seen that tree did we forget about the assassins turns out we didn't but like yeah what's the plot well like i i thought there was only four assassins and like you killed all four of them apparently not where was that information later i don't fucking know that's why i feel like she wrote the author at this time wrote a story and then was like oh it's not long enough really to be like a a good I need to put in more so I can make more books in the future. So I'll put in some more. And then she's like, ooh, I resolved that too. Uh, let me put in some more. And th- there's just all these like tack on storylines mm-hmm. after what I consider to be the main story. And it's so jarring to read. Also, you talk about like, okay, I resolved these these issues resolve that i'm gonna add new plots but they never she never resolves the core issue of the fact that these two are not compatible and they're not having that conversation that's yeah, never they resolved. different things yeah no. no they fly off into the so, sunset later it's fine <laughs> it's like it's fine. literally <laughs> so as des mentioned mikhail has trapped raven in the house with his like magic and raven kind of has this like throwaway line that oh this magic exists to keep people out but it also has the effect of keeping people in and so she like is basically like well i'll show him and she finds talcum powder and uses this to get out in a way that i'll talk about later but when she finds the talcum powder she goes to like she goes out of her way to remark on quote the lengths to which he tries to look human and i'm like i'm sorry do vampires not chafe like the food I could get, but like talcum powder? Right, like he has skin. <laughs> what's, what's faking about that? So she uses the talcum powder to basically like it out of a window, like blow it out the window in case that didn't translate very well. Um, <laughs> so she blows the window, the like the talcum powder out the window so that it can like illuminate the shields that he's placed on the house. And I'm not sure that's how magic works, but this allows her to see a couple gaps that she can like squeeze through. And so she does this. She like hops out the window and she squeezes through these gaps. It's, it's a spy <sighs> montage through the lasers to the diamond, <laughs> which like honestly is one of the only interesting parts of the book because she's actually doing something. And that thing is described to us and we're not told about it later. Yes. Yeah. I will say this is where I was like, Ooh, is this going to get good? It didn't. The other important thing about this is she's going out in a long shirt that she borrowed from Mikhail and a cape. She does not have like pants on. It's just doesn't have underwear. No underwear. Just just a shirt and a cape. I did. So just insight into what I was picturing. I missed her putting on a shirt. So throughout this and what happens next, I thought she was just wearing a cape. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Underneath the cape. I did too. For the record. I also thought that, but later they referenced that she was wearing a shirt. So I have to intuit that she put a shirt on. It Maybe it wasn't told to us, but... It probably wasn't. Right. You probably did have to intuit probably it. And not. I was like, she's just this naked night goblin in a cape. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. Naked night goblin. That should be somebody's username. <laughs> naked night goblin. So she, when she's out of the shield, she like goes back onto the porch to have another Nicholas Sparks character moment wrapped in this cape, surveying the night and ruminating and... <laughs> I actually have in my notes. I'm pretty sure she's just naked with a cape on, actually. <laughs> well, and the 
choice of the cape is weird because like he wears pants why didn't you just right. put his pants on like where are the clothes they're probably too big for her i mean remember she's thumbelina size so okay you're right you're right. so where <laughs> i would have made it work a glove yeah i'm sure he has belts i don't know so cape. she then starts to wander through the night which seems like ill-advised wildly but in dangerous. her wandering she comes upon the son of the midwife who's like grieving out in the forest and she approaches him and i'm like okay naked in the middle of the night in a cloak you approach this person to what have a conversation with him she senses his grief and she's a caring individual who wants to help resolve the grief she's a megalomaniac who gets off on this like persona that she has that she helps people get through their grief i could understand if you were just like i don't know walking down the street in pants like normally and it's like the daytime and there are other people around you and you sense that this person is sad and you want to help them but in the middle of the night you're naked in a cloak this guy his parents tried to murder you. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? That's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, can you imagine, like, you you just lost your parents in this horrible, violent way. You're in the forest grieving. And this naked woman in a cape emerges from the ether. I know she's wearing a shirt, but in my head, she's a naked woman in a cape. Emerges from the ether and is like, I know you're sad. I'm sorry about your loss. What? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> For the record, he says as much. He asks if she's real because she just appears out of the mist in his cape. And he's like, what the fuck? Well, and she's a Carpathian now. So she's got like the hypnotizing like look and she's like extra beautiful. And like, he's just like mesmerized. <laughs> So they talk, and we learn that his father also killed his mother, so he mourns both of them. And they talk about the parents, how he knew his father was fanatical, but he thought it was all talk, um, and that he regrets being too late to save his mother, like his mom had called him up and asked him for help. And it looked as though his father... And, and from this conversation, we, we come to find out that it looks as though this guy's father and the co-conspirators died burned beneath the tree struck by lightning because remember Mikhail's rage like summoned that terrible storm yep we remember but i guess <laughs> raven also is like reading this guy's mind and this guy also has a thought that he could just have her here like rape her and no one would know and i'm like raven girl sweetie what are you doing what are you doing are men's mind that twisted that they can go from deeply grieving both of their parents to I could bone this woman in the same breath. I I had that thought too. And I was like, oh God, hopefully not all dudes. Like I, what the fuck? I sincerely hope not. I mean, like we all have intrusive thoughts, but I don't have intrusive thoughts when I'm so all consumed by the death of somebody, for example. No. And if I did, they're going to be like, chaos thoughts about something that made me laugh not like i'm upset about my mother's death but i could also rape this girl right now right right what and the my intrusive thoughts are typically not predatory like what the fuck no mine are just like you know it'd be weird is if i hit my head on the ground right now there's right. mud there i want to make a like mess. i wonder if i spoon my own eyes out if my grief will abate like yeah <laughs> normal grief thoughts i guess so this is where i have my note here where 
I'm fairly certain that Raven is one of the stupidest heroines that I've ever read. And the stupidest heroine that we have read about on this podcast, bar maybe Jude. Maybe. Maybe. It's a, it's a close comparison. At least Jude has some skills. Like she can hold a sword. They're stupid in different ways. Yes. Raven can do nothing. And this is also where I call out the lot of telling versus showing. So like she'll, the author will say like, you know, he smiled in a very masculine way or she, you know, brushed her hair out of her face in a feminine way. And I'm like, what does that fucking mean? This is the problem I have with the writing is that there's like 13 words and those are the only words we have. We have masculine, feminine, velvet, and erotic. Creamy swells. You forgot creamy Creamy swells. swells. I'm so sorry. Little one, too. Oh, yeah. Little one. Little one. That's the whole book. So Mikhail gets home, finds her gone, and is immediately angry. He senses the thoughts of the other man that's with her, and he goes to them, and when he shows up, he asks the dude why he's meeting with his woman. And I'm like, brother, Raven instigated all of this. <laughs> and so the son, the like guy, the grieving guy, like leaves and he's like, sorry, I didn't mean to like, I, we just were talking. And Raven is mad and saying she'll leave him again. And I'm like, my God, woman, what in the actual fuck is happening? Why are we still here? I'm so bored. They fight a little bit and he's offended that she sought out human company and she's like, oh my God, how could I, how could I have hurt him like that? This is my fault. But then she accuses him of seeing humans as lesser than, which he denies, which is obviously a lie. And then they're back at the house and she takes the cape off and he's like, why do you only have a shirt on? And she, I'm like, dude, she literally told you that she has no clothes, despite the fact that we learned early in the book that he can conjure clothing of natural materials because he does that for her he refuses to like conjure clothes for her and i'm just like why are we here like all of these problems are like a product of your own making and he also like went shopping earlier too there are so many options go get her clothes go shopping conjure clothes you've done none of those things right also earlier we discussed the fact that like if you are true life mates you would never cheat on your partner because you are true life mates you physically can't so like why is he so jealous like what did you think? Right. Like nothing's going to happen. You guys are true life mates. You did the agreement because that's the other. That's the other thing. When they're having sex, once he says a bunch of words at her and makes her repeat them, and she doesn't realize that those are like the life mate bonds, and that's how they get married. And it's ridiculous because again, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. explain that to her. But like, <laughs> if you guys are true life mates, who cares what homeboy thinks about your woman? She's not going to do anything with him. Right. And she's a Carpathian. She could snap his neck by looking at him. Right. And you can also read her mind. So, like, why don't you take a second? Like, you, you clearly have no qualms about invading anyone's privacy. So, like, take a hot second. Was there any lust there? No. And he confesses to her that, like, in this argument that they're having, that he would have been just as upset to find him, to find her feeding on this man. And I'm like, so then how is she going to live? Right. Because, like, I this is a clearly heterosexual oriented book but like she's got to feed at some point like whether it's a man or a woman like she's going to be physically close to somebody and again who cares your life mates nothing's going to happen right (laughs) right i just and so okay in this argument raven says quote i'm impulsive i do things i decide i want to fly a kite and the next thing i know i'm doing it 
read. I'm a manic pixie dream girl and you're harshing my vibe. I hate this character so fucking much. The scenes are all the same. Mikhail does something controlling. She says don't do that and defies him. He apologizes and says he's still trying to figure things out and he should have known better. And it's been like maybe a week. But like, guys, we can't keep doing this. It's the same. It's the same book. It's the same like 50 pages over and over again. Yes. Yep. I hate it here. I hate it here. At the end of this argument, Mikhail allows her to sift through all of his memories, his entire mind for once, and she's suddenly more magnanimous and says that he's good and she loves him and blah, 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 blah. Moving on. Now they're talking about Gregory and how he's old and lonely and Mikhail feels that he's going to go rogue and kill himself soon if he doesn't find a life mate. And this meandering conversation ends in them agreeing that if they had kids, that they would be free to choose the life that they want. My note here is that, like, they bring up having kids again later, but they kind of, like, hold it over each other's heads. And I was like, this is really problematic. You deserve each other. You deserve each other. (laughs) My God. So they go to sleep, but on the bed with the dirt and not in the ground. At some point during the following day, they, they, Mikhail thinks it's midday because they're both, like, really powerless. And Mikhail wakes up to um, the grieving guy. His name is Rudy. Banging on the gates of his castle, accusing Mikhail of being undead. He says he's found his father's proof and was now fully on board with thinking Mikhail is a vampire. And I'm like, guess we got to kill him too, huh? So, like... <laughs> The, the gates are, like, down a driveway, so, like, Mikhail is just, like, hearing this with his supersonic vampire hearing whatever, but he immediately wakes up Raven and says they're in danger, and I'm like, are you? Because <laughs> you have all this Be- protection. Right. Like, one human guy? Really? Well, but yeah, the other thing that's really stupid about that is he says he cannot enter, but we cannot leave until the sun is down. So just wait. Well, yeah i'm like okay who cares and he's like you have to stay awake because why also you can speak to animals (laughs) just go like get a wolf to eat him truly well their power is waning but like okay this really bothers me because they're they are it's not that their power is waning it's that they are essentially wet noodles (laughs) like can't even walk under their own power kind of thing because what happens is that apparently rudy brought molotov cocktails and like can throw them far enough and hard enough that they get into the house and the house is suddenly on fire and i don't know how that works especially with a house that's built out of stone but mikhail tells raven that they have to escape by going to ground raven is obviously opposed to this idea but they're both so exhausted because it's midday that they have to literally crawl on the ground, like pull themselves along to a cellar door that they they can't even like get up and just walk. Like it takes all of their magic to or all of their being to do this. So remind like, me why? again how he's going to church. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or doing a job. And so in this moment, when the house is burning down on top of them, they choose to experiment with Raven's power. Mikhail's like, just give this a try. Like, open the door with your mind and float us down to the floor. And I'm like, what? really? Is now the time to do that when you're both, like, so incredibly weak and you are, I guess, in imminent danger of burning? A- like, what? what are we doing? <laughs> Truly, what are we doing? 
And they get to, so she does this with like the first try, which okay. And she's just like, "Wow, I can't believe I just did this." And I'm like, "Where, where is the appropriate sense of urgency?" Oh, it comes <laughs> in a hot second. Yeah, she's just like, "Wow, we floated." Wow. What if? Yeah, you and then Mikhail's like, "Right." And Mikhail's like, "That's nice." She he forces her to go to ground with him, and she's screaming and pleading with him and doesn't want to and. She's like walking this line of madness and eventually Gregory reaches out and offers to send her to sleep. And why does he have the power to do this? And Mikhail doesn't right now because it's mid. I don't know. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Because Gregory's a Carpathian too. Yep. I don't know. Well, so I, question. I think it, uh, I think it's probably because uh, a lot of Mikhail's magic is being used to protect or was being used to protect the house. Question mark. That kind of makes sense. Okay. But then is anything, clearly... there's anything else. He's using all his magic to protect the house, but it didn't protect the house at all. Correct. <laughs> so, and that's how I see it. So you suck, Mikhail. Also, she does this thing where she, like, they, they dig this hole to, like, go into the earth. And she tells him to go first and she'll follow, knowing that she was not going to go. Because she was more willing to take death than to go into this hole to go into the ground. And Mikhail just grabs her and pulls her, pulls her down into the hole with him. Which, like... No choice. Uh, it's a choice speaking of no choice Gregory forcibly puts her to sleep mentally and then does the same to Mikhail but before he does so he tells Mikhail that he hopes that their child will be his life mate fucking (sighs) disgusting I hate that I get that they are immortal fine but I I don't I don't like it it's the whole twilight jacob thing i'm gonna fall in love with your baby and watch them grow up as i have sexual feelings about it yep it's disgusting and i hate gregory he also says some things later that like even if i could possibly be on board with that notion i don't want anyone to have you because you're a piece of shit yep yep so we're not reading the gregory book guys (laughs) no i refuse (laughs) absolutely not so when Mikhail wakes up, he leaves Raven to heal and sleep. He meets up with Gregory and Jacques, and they mention that investigators and fire people had like been to Mikhail's house, but everybody was long gone. Rudy was taken away and sedated, and the doctors think he's insane, but Rudy's already sent the, quote, evidence that his father had to others. And they're like, yeah, scientists and et cetera. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Do you think anybody's going to take this seriously when the spam email shows up and it's just like the ravings of a lunatic? I don't think so. I don't think so. And it says like he has like fingerprint evidence. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. What? Sh- like of the uh, right that they're vampires. I, I couldn't tell oh. you. <laughs> what it's is like the- fingerprints and photos. And I'm like, what am I missing here? Right. Of what? Right. Because at the end of the day, like we learn later that like in this particular uh, story vampires cannot be photographed so clearly they're photographs of fucking nothing right <laughs> doesn't prove anything <laughs> right and then fingerprints what of this guy that's well known in town like being places he's probably allowed to be well so right. my thought process is it might be like you know they can compare fingerprints of someone from you know 100 years ago with his fingerprints but this book no like no one was keeping that good of records to be able to compare those two things so literally what information do you have that is going to prove this in any meaningful way and they definitely didn't right. have that technology in the 90s and they and i maybe i'm wrong for wherever they are but they definitely didn't have it like in the middle of nowhere in the ukraine 
Absolutely. <laughs> so. So they also talk about like damage control and they're grimly preparing for like another war or for their people to be in grave danger. Just get uh, it. Uh, grave danger. so bad, Katie. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> <laughs> they also say this thing that they're, they're, the lives of their people and the way that they live their lives will be forever changed because of this. How? What? Why? I don't understand. You already hide. I don't get and it. And they also keep alluding to this war that we like never really get information about. Like, Nope. Because that's not why so they're would... dying out. <laughs> no. And it's like, who was the other side? Like, was it? Because they, they kind of mention like when... There was a time in like the medieval times when it was like invoked to like kill vampires, but like that, that seems like a separate thing from like the quote war that they keep referencing. And yes. I'm like, what? Wh- which one is it? It's both and neither. So actually, I misspoke before because this is the point at which we learned that um, Mikhail can like make things out of natural materials mm. because he summons Raven from her like tomb and clothes her in jeans and a shirt, which she could have done to before. Make her comfortable, could have done that before. Chose not to. Um, when Raven wakes up, she's clutching her throat and still, like, reeling. And all three men in the room try to comfort her, uh, but unfortunately not in a sexual way. Because that uh, would be fine. So, Mikhail, trying to comfort Raven, tells her that he will take her far away from the ruins of the house. Gregory tells Mikhail just to wipe her memories. And Mikhail refuses because he knows that this would hurt Raven. And Gregory doesn't understand why Mikhail lets his mate suffer needlessly. Fuck Gregory. Slash, that seems very controlling, and Gregory doesn't see that as controlling at all, but okay. They go to a cabin in the woods, and Jacques Jacques and Gregory give them some space, so give Mikhail and Raven some space. Raven tells Mikhail that she never wants to do that again. She never wants to go to ground, and instead of telling her the ramifications of that choice, he points out the healing qualities instead. (laughs) I'm like, can you just have like a clear and honest conversation just once in your relationship or is that like just impossible for the two of you to do that's a that's a trait of vampires actually i think (laughs) it fucking must be because we're just back to this all or nothing like push pull and mikhail asks her to give them a chance and i'm like i think she's already giving you a chance but like what why how did we get here but th- they go immediately from this to having sex again. And I'm just like, <sighs> because what? He also continually, I had this note earlier, but he continually uses sex to distract her, which yeah. I don't like. Like, stop trying to fuck her and answer her goddamn questions. But and in this like in this fooling around thing, Raven says this thing where she's like, you know, you, Mikhail, think you're going to do something that. I will be unable to accept, but I believe in you, Mikhail. And I'm like, except for everything that has to do with you and your own safety, I'd like, just what, what are you talking about? And believe in him for why? Right. The whiplash of it all. I'm like, what the fuck? You just said, I don't know if I can do this. Like you were just at the point of nothing and now you're back into all. And I'm just like, why? His why? dick must be glorious. I don't know. I guess. It's not. Her tight feminine channel must be so thirsty. <laughs> So uh, real quick, uh, in the group chat that we have, I shared that there was a moment in this book that uh, made me throw up a little bit in my mouth. And Liz said, you you said you were going to guess. Do you want to guess what part of the book it is? I actually didn't. I didn't have a, I didn't have a guess. So at one point, he dips his head to taste the small indent of her belly button. So first, he tongues her belly button. 
And then his chin and, and nuzzles it. her and says, someday my child will grow right here. Uh, it gets worse. Uh, Mikkel kissed her tummy and then kissed the path to her breasts. You will have milk for our babies. That is such a miracle, Raven. I solemnly uh, skipped that. I did not read that at all. Uh, so disgusting. Uh, Ew. Uh, oh my god. Uh. Okay, 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 okay. Can we talk about this? Because I hate the fact that breasts are sexualized and then also like reproductive reproductive like uh. so most of this book listeners as you might have intuited is just the the same asinine conversation between the two of these people and it doesn't get any more interesting there so mikhail leaves what happens if we just dnf this 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 episode we're just like no you know what we're done (laughs) we're done i feel like we should have done it it by now i feel like now it's like okay they do this thing yeah i mean we could because at this point i don't even know why the book is still going on like i don't know what the rest of the plot is supposed to be and we don't find out for like another 50 pages and i'm just like could we that's where all the stuff happens with alexander and andre and we haven't even yeah. met yet i know i know exactly so jacques is on babysitting duty and gregory accompanies mikhail to deal with rudy um they they go to the hospital where rudy is being kept and on the way they talk about how raven might be might have been successful in being turned because she was mikhail's true life mate and that she might actually be able to give birth to a female child because she was human and turned i did appreciate at this point that they do call out appropriate reproduction we're like well the man chooses the sex of the baby and i was like okay chooses is a strong word but yes correct those chromosomes (laughs) come from the male line so i like your jump off a cliff to like well she was once human so maybe she'll accept our y chromosomes were or x chromosomes were trying to push awesome (laughs) so it's that's a conversation that they have when they get to rudy they gregory is the one that shows himself and like drinks from him because he doesn't want rudy to know that mikhail is actually a part of this just in case like they don't kill him and he gets back to his life and blah 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 so gregory drinks from rudy to know his mind almost kills him um and they realize that there's this other person that's involved and they just talk about a bunch of stuff that doesn't like none of it matters gregory and mikhail talk about how like rudy's great-grandfather started this all because he had this vendetta against mikhail because the grandfather great-grandfather tried to rape some girl and mikhail stopped him and it's just like ugh, i don't care like i just don't care about this book it needs to end like there's just so much dialogue don't care at this point like and none none of of it matters none of it matters truly yep yep so they go back for some reason they're the hospital and like the the place where they're keeping raven and like dr hummer's house and whatever are all like co-located somehow so they're on their way back and they pass father hummer's house and they find a trap which is a shotgun triggered by the door opening there's bloodstains but no priest and this is another one of those instances where Raven senses Mikhail's discomfort and he gives her no helpful information. He's just like, don't worry about it. It's fine. You stay in the house. And she's just like, but uh, like, can you just say like father Hummer's like, give her some kind of information. Right. Like I'm saying this is what I found. Yeah. But none of that, but none of it. There's no, none of that. Nope. So, so these two chuckle fucks follow (laughs) father Hummer's scent. Like 
miles and miles and miles away to the territory of another wolf pack, quickly realizes that it's a trap. They're attacked by these wolves and they kill them. And they realize that it's a diversion because back at the ranch, Father Hummer and this other asshole show up. And because he didn't tell Raven a fucking thing, she she reacts poorly to this conversation and ends up getting herself fucking kidnapped. And again, it's like we're back to a different but kind of related plot line where Raven's a damsel in distress. Like, I just don't care. No. And also could have been avoided if you gave her any information. Right. So (laughs) I do, before she gets kidnapped, she's talking with Jack and she does ask the first intelligent question that she's asked the entire book. It's (laughs) where is everybody's parents? Why are you all just orphans? (laughs) She, it's like she sort of grasps that they're vampires, but like can't take the leap to like what else that means. Yeah. Yeah. So the man who kidnaps Raven and also has Dr. Hummer, not Dr. Hummer, Wait, Father Hummer. What is huh? the deal with their parents? Because I, I definitely have missed slash don't have that in my notes. Oh, the one line fixer is that a bunch of their parents and their kind were killed back in the medieval times when it was in vogue to like kill vampires. Gotcha. So basically, they all That's got it. on a boat and they died on the boat. <laughs> yes, all they all got on a boat and they killed out of Died on a boat. <laughs> and also some of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy who kidnaps Raven and has like beaten up Father Hummer is a Slavensky lookalike, and I I wish I knew or cared what that was. Um, <laughs> Jacques is attacked by a vampire, so not a Carpathian, but like a turned darkness vampire and i don't know what this thing looks like because raven says that it's a truly undead rotting thing but also like it's 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 a man like he that's the only time that it's described as being like that and raven does this really stupid fucking thing where the vampire's attacking Jacques, and Raven joins the fray by jumping on the vampire's back and and what girl what are you gonna fucking do (laughs) Well, and she's, what? She's a Carpath, Carpath, Carpathian now. A so Carpathian. She goes, Shut up and sit down. <laughs> <laughs> she immediately tries to like undo this because all three men, Jacques, Gregory, and Mikhail. Gregory and Mikhail aren't there, but they tell her mentally, what the fuck are you doing? That's so stupid. And the line is, not understanding, but certain she was in deadly peril. Raven tried to jump off. Girl, what is unclear about the situation? What did you not get that was made more clear, but not quite crystal clear now that you're on the back of a fucking vampire? Like, I just, I can't, I can't with this book. She's an idiot. She's an idiot. She's an idiot. So in this fray, the vampire bites her and that's painful. The vampire rips Jacques' throat out. Raven goes berserk, but not in a helpful way. The vampire leaves for some reason and Raven tries to help Jacques, but the human takes her away. By threatening the priest's life, he says that if she doesn't comply, um, that he that this guy, the Slavinsky lookalike kidnapper guy, would kill the priest, and if she does anything to the Slavinsky guy, that the vampire would kill her instead. And it's just like this is so avoidable. It's all <laughs> like, avoidable. I just don't understand. <sighs> we learn. We learn that the vampire's name is Andre. Raven goes with Slavinsky, who is in service of Andre. She's in the back of a car with Father Hummer, who offers to give her his blood because she's, like, very, very weak, but she refuses. Raven tells Mikhail to help Jacques and then come for her because she knows that they won't kill her. And how does she know this? I wish I knew. But We'll never know. (laughs) 
we learn that Slavensky is not just in service to Andre, this vampire that attacked Jacques and that bit Raven, but Andre also has a blood bond with him and some of the others without their knowledge. So we learn that there are three additional murderers. So Andre is the, the vampire who's controlling these three additional murders. It's James and Eugene Slavensky. And I think they were a part of the tourist group that was staying at the inn, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not made abundantly clear. And then there's this other guy, Anton Fabrizio. Fabrizio. Mr. Fabrizio. <laughs> Fabrizio. Yeah. So back to Mikhail and uh, Jacques. Gregory is now with them as well. Fuck and Gregory. they're trying to save Jacques' life. And <laughs> so fucking they mad. both, they all kind of make this comment. That's like, if Jacques lives, it's because Raven fed him and packed his wounds. Um, Mikhail has to like run back to the cottage to get some herbs and he does so as a wolf, but the sun is out. So like, it's kind of painful for him, but, but that's how he goes to church. But you, but you couldn't do that when the guy was going to burn your house down. You couldn't just be a wolf and go like tear his throat out, then go back inside real quick. What? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right. Proceed. So Mikhail <laughs> arrives back at the cabin and finds two humans waiting in a trap. One is the Fabrizio guy or whatever, and the other is someone named Dieter, who we <laughs> just met. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I hate the name Dieter. I know, but so Dieter D uh, doesn't believe in vampires. Usually I don't allow this sort of nonsense, but it's the only way to get through this book. <laughs> I don't allow this nonsense. <laughs> yes, you do. You have a full face liar. But she'll look at us with that face where she's like, can you not? <laughs> Children. I will do that. <laughs> so... Dieter doesn't believe in vampires, but covets the vampire Andre's power, and so he obeys him. Mikhail attacks first Dieter, no, sorry, first Fabrizio, um, and kills Who him, cares? and then <laughs> and then kills Dieter. Dieter. And Gregory's like, "Can you stop fucking around? Like this guy's gonna die." And Mikhail's like, "Oh, fine. You're doing a great job. I'm so sorry." So Mikhail gets back to, I guess, the cave or whatever that they're trying to heal Jacques in. Sure. And Gregory says this kind of funny line to Mikhail. He's like, it's a wonder you've been able to you've been able to tie your shoes without me all these centuries. <laughs> I wish they had that kind of banter the whole book. I know. I just like make that gay. Make it gay. Anyway. So Jacques is gonna live, but they all go to ground and sleep and heal. Um and I'm like, okay, again with the fatal like injury and we have to sleep it off thing it's just like i uh, why is this book so long so (laughs) while they're sleeping back to raven who is frail but awake she tells father hummer that she needs blood and even though he offers she again refuses um she asks instead that he like distract her by telling her everything that he knows about carpathians and he does so finally the things that he tells her (laughs) yeah i guess finally getting some information about who the fuck you are but he tells her a couple of things. The first one is that males are territorial, no shit, wow. <laughs> and consider themselves only half of a whole. The half that they represent is comprised of evil and violence. They're hunters. They have the propensity to succumb to darkness. And that the other half of that are the women. They are the light, and they stand in between the, the eternal darkness of the male, as Raven has done for Mikhail. They're also intellectual and rich because they live so long, and they're also good at mind controlling, which all of these things... We know. Yes. No no new information. I thought... I wish we had gotten some more, uh, I don't know, relevant details, but that's fine. 
This is where Father Hummer shares with Raven that he believes that the only reason that she survived the turning was because she is Mikhail's one true life mate. And he also shares with her that one of the reasons that Mikhail is so impressive is because over the many centuries that he's been alive, that he has had to hunt vampires and that many of these vampires were actually at one point, his friends who succumbed to the darkness. And so it's kind of this vicious cycle of getting to know and love somebody and then eventually having to kill them because they have um, turned into something terrible. This is the one, I, I mean, this is a kernel of interest here and I, I wish that they had explored that a little bit more but it's very like just again told not shown and I, it just could have been a lot more interesting if they had fleshed that out a little mm-hmm. bit but during this conversation Slavinsky the main kidnapper guy I think it's I don't know if it's Eugene or James or whoever but one of the Slavinsky guys joins them and Raven feels that Mikhail is awake and close but tells him to wait because Andre is imminent as well and then suddenly Andre is there question so I must have missed this. So the father knows and betrayed or was forced to betray Mikhail? I don't think that he was forced to betray. I think he was just used as bait. Got it. Okay. So when Andre gets there, he tries to make Raven drink from the priest to like heal herself and she refuses so instead, Andre kills the priest with very little fanfare, and even Raven's own remorse feels hollow. Like, it just feels like the priest died and, like, everything was fine, yeah. which was really sad. It was really sad because he was like, he, I liked him. He was I fine. Like I know. Yeah. Was, I mean, I liked I him guess... as much as anybody in this book, but, you know. Right, which is to say, like, maybe 5%. But <laughs> yeah. After that, Andre tries to get Raven to drink, I guess, tainted blood, and it's not poisoned, but the herbs will confuse her, and I fail to understand the difference there, because Mikhail very clearly states in Raven's mind, like, we don't, like, poisons don't affect us because we're, like, superhumans or whatever, and I'm like, okay, but you're affected by herbs? Well, yeah, there's also a part where, like, there's, like, drugs in someone's veins, and Mikhail's like, well, I fed, so the drugs won't affect me, so, like, they would affect you, though. So yeah. you're not immune. So, it just won't which kill isn't. you? Like, what? <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Oh. <laughs> At this point, Raven's like, I think I would rather die <laughs> than do this. And every single man in her head, and I think at this point there's like two or three, are like, please don't do that. <laughs> I'm just like, can you guys leave me alone for five seconds? Yeah, like, I don't understand why her head suddenly becomes like a conference call. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because it's at least Gregory and Mikhail. I think Jacques might be in there, too. Wait, like, just a conference call. Like, god damn. <laughs> uh, so Andre and... Uh, Andre is kind of, like, talking to Mikhail through Raven because he knows that they have this, like, blood bond. Oh, and Andre is also in her brain because he t- drank her blood and has a blood bond with her, too. Because, of course. Raven's able to resist Andre, but not able to resist, like, Gregory and Mikhail, I guess, to a certain extent. And so Andre is like baiting Mikhail. He's like, you know that she needs this to live, like force her to do this. And he does. Such a spine <laughs> on that one. Right. <laughs> and in another example of telling, not showing, Andre is described by Raven as being the most depraved being she had ever encountered. She could read his evil intent. Tell me his intent. Which was... Right. I still am unclear about Andre's intent even after finishing the book. I, maybe he wasn't even depraved. Maybe she's just like cracked out. 
yeah, it could be. This whole thing could be a fucking fever She's dream. She's not good at her job of finding bad people no. anyway. So, like, maybe Andre is just a regular dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Caught up in some vamp shit. He doesn't want to be there either. <laughs> yeah. So she drinks the blood. She feels better. The poison doesn't immediately hit her. Mikhail arrives. Raven begs Gregory to join them. Their conversations with each other in their mind and in person are so long-winded. Oh, my God. <laughs> but Andre essentially wants Mikhail's blood for himself so he can gain power. But rather than taking Mikhail with him, Slavinsky shoots Mikhail, which seemed preventable. Mikhail lets this happen, and Andre... Rather than, like, feeding off of Mikhail, just takes Raven and leaves? Yeah. Question mark? That's makes sense to me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So this is, again, where Mikhail has gotten this, like, mortal wound that he has to fucking heal from. And Byron shows up and another person named Aiden. And Gregory's also there. And they, they do some stuff to heal Mikhail. They leave the place and burn it to the ground. But, like, we're... St- we're in this holding pattern again while they're just like, hold, please. I got injured. Let me just let me just take a, a short rest and I'll get my, my spell slots back or something. Andre takes Raven to his lair and there are two innocent people there, a husband and a wife. Raven tries to keep them safe. And so like at this point, she's like very disoriented. The herb is working on her and she's like trying to. But she, she knows that she doesn't want to hurt these people, and so she's trying to navigate that. In this process, Andrea is just like, well, fine, and stomps off to get, like, blood from other places, question mark. <laughs> um, Mikhail and his army of brethren come to save her finally, <laughs> finally, but there are traps, like, all around, held by other vampires forced to serve Andre, and, like, this is, I guess, just a, a reason for them to take longer, I guess. <laughs> It's a Raven device. finally sees through her bond with Andre and like is starting to come to a realization. She like sees through his eyes that he's killed a child and is now tor- tormenting the mother um, instead of drinking from these two, this husband and wife that are in the lair. Mikhail commands her to look away and then like physically holds her still like with his mental powers because he's not there. Because he's like, don't look at this. It's not for your eyes. Don't go to them. But he couldn't physically <laughs> help her any other time. Just I know. I know. the inconsistency? I know. <laughs> Use the power or don't. Pick a side. Pick a side. I do. I guess. I'm kind of rushing through this because I just don't care. No, yeah. But do it. I, think, I, I think we're both letting you do that because we're both just like, why? Like everything that we want to say, we have already said. Right. And now we're just beating a dead horse because the same nonsense that was happening in the first half of the book is happening in this part of the book. It's just different. We just stuff have a little happening. more action with characters. We have we've more never characters. Met. <laughs> we have more characters. Right. We have more characters, and it, the pacing is really weird because the first half of this book was them will they wanting they all over the <laughs> right. place, and now we've got like so much action packed into like thirty pages and like four new characters, and I just don't care. Yeah, at this point, truly. Now I just want to finish. So, Mikhail relents, like releases Raven, and then the wife is somehow freely moving around the room, and she like helps Raven and tells her that. She and her husband were taken from their home while making love, and Andre made them do terrible things in front of him and drained their neighbors so that they would know what's in store for them, blah, blah. 
Uh, Raven tries to, like, help the husband, but the husband, like, attacks her even though he's, like, shackled and she's, like, trying to reason with them. Mikhail and his army finally actually physically arrive. They take Andre, like, out of the... Andre's back. I didn't remember when he got back, but... (laughs) No one knows. (laughs) No one knows. (laughs) So they take... The not-Mikhail army takes Andre out of the house and, like, beat him up. Raven protects the humans from, like, these unknown Carpathian males that are with Mikhail, and she's like, don't hurt them, but daddy, I love him. Um... (laughs) And... (laughs) As Andre is dying, he merges his mind with Raven so that she can, quote, see Mikhail for what he is. And Gregory commands her to sleep again. Uh. (laughs) So she doesn't do this. (laughs) When Andre is dead, Raven wakes up. Her mind is again fragmented because she's just so fragile and she fears Mikhail. Mikhail tells her to look into his mind. And I presume that she does this, but we don't get much on that. They, the Carpathians, like, release the humans, wipe the bad memories, make sure that they have good memories of the Carpathians and no memories of Andre, blah, blah. But also all of their neighbors are dead, so, like, how are they going to fix that? (laughs) They don't talk about it. It's fine. Um, They go back to Mikhail's residence, uh, different residence, one that didn't burn down to the ground. It's some sort of castle. Why were we living in a castle the first time? I know. (laughs) I know. Mikhail pleads with Raven to remember, and she does, and they have sex, and then they flee further into the mountains to escape persecution from some unknown force, 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 (laughs) from some unknown force, and the last scene of them is burying Father Hummer, and then Raven finally shapeshifts for the first time into an owl, and they all fly off into the sunset. And that's it. That's the book. That, okay, so the last, like, the speed run that Katie just went through should have been the whole book because that would have been better. Yes. It would have been yes. better. And it, the pacing would have been, like, I, I that those stakes were high. Those yes. stakes were really Whited. high. And it was interesting, but by the point, at the point that the reader gets this part, nothing is interesting because you just want to finish. Right. right. Because all of this happens, I'm not joking, in the last 60 or so pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We spend the rest of... What was for, because I think for me, the total page count was 485. So mm-hmm. I spent 380 or 90 pages just being bored out of my mind and hating all the characters I interacted with. And then this last 60 pages, I was like, well, man, I wish I cared, but I don't. Right. <laughs> I wish I cared. I wish I cared. <laughs> Des, why don't we start off with you in the spice level? How did the spice traders rate the spice level in this book? We all gave it a two, and I think I can probably summarize in a good way why. Because even if, even though there was plenty of, not even plenty, even though there was spice, it was poorly written. It was the same, same. It wasn't ex- very explicit. Like there was all this like dancing around the words that we all knew they were that were there. And also, we hated the character, so why would I enjoy the spice? Right. Yes. Did I miss anything? No, they have sex no. a lot. It's at bad times, too. It's kind of like when Reese and Farah have sex in the middle of a war. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Like an active battle. But at You're least just like, guys. They have chemistry. These guys, I'm just like, okay. At least there's not consent issues in that no, one, right? No, no, there's definitely not. Oh, that's, uh, I did miss the consent issues. My bad. Also, they're having sex in the middle of like serious conversations. She'll be like, you know, 
why did you murder that guy? And he'd be like, your nipples. Like, why? <laughs> and he finishes quick every goddamn time. They have sex yeah. all the time because it takes three seconds for him to finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't had sex in hundreds of years, Liz. No, break. I will not. <laughs> Refuse. So speaking of giving them a break, Liz, how did we rate this the writing style? We rated the writing style at a one. And as we went through this, um, we talked about just the poor word choice, repeated word choices, repeated conversations. It was just like blacking out and then having the same conversation over and over and over again. None of it developed characters. None of it. It was just boring. Like there were no we always pull quotes from books and it's going to be really hard to pull any quotes from this book because it was boring. I have one that I added and I'll read it to you just for the sake of you knowing what it is. Mikhail, her voice startled him low and warm and filled with feminine amusement. Try making suggestions next time or just plain asking you go do whatever it is you're doing and I'll search your extensive library for a book on manners. I did like that. I, I did like that. Also within that, that person I point the writing style is why is everything feminine or masculine humor and amusement are not gendered characteristics what well you can describe like the quote feminine in a like how is it feminine is it lilting is it yes. high pitched is it like melodic like not just feminine it could be anything just like feminine amusement like what which brings us to the quality of storytelling. I, I think it should be a surprise to no one at this point that we rated the quality of storytelling as a one as well. And a lot of that had to do with the repeated conversations and the lack of just a coherent plot. It really did feel like there were two books smashed into one. And I really wish that we had focused on the second plot more than the first one, because for the first like 350 pages of this book, I was so bored. And I just don't think that it had any coherent or cohesiveness to it. No. no did, did I miss not. anything with that? No. no. There are no stakes. Okay. No stakes. They all suck. No table stakes. All right, Liz, do we recommend this book? That would be a resounding no. Three out of three yeah. traders say no. I don't think we have to justify that. Nope. <laughs> further. See the above commentary. <laughs> right. See the above two hours. <laughs> So those are our thoughts on Dark Prince by Christine Feehan. Thank you for joining us on this journey as always. Tell us what you thought. You can find us on the socials at Spice Traders Pod. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.